Gamescom. Gamescom. Robux. <laughs> <laughs> Well, hello and welcome to Triangle Square to PlayStation Podcast. I am joined today by Chris, as always, but there's an unfamiliar, maybe somewhat also familiar in a way, face of my beautiful daughter, Kyrie. And she's going to get camera shy now. But here she is. She wanted to be part. I've been doing this podcast since she was like two. So you think about that. She has been growing up knowing that I do this. So she wanted to be in for a few minutes and be part of the show. She asked me the other day if she could. And Chris so graciously agreed that it was a fun idea. So everyone, welcome Kyrie. So, as always, we're going to get talking today uh, after the break that we had, which I very much appreciate. (laughs) We're going to talk about Gamescom and recap some of the stuff there. We're going to talk about some of the stuff going on with the Metagross Solid Collection Volume 1. And we're going to answer some questions as well as an interesting Velvet's Corner. For now, let's get this show started off the right way that we always do. And that's first and foremost by checking in on what everyone's been playing. And I think I'd be remiss to say that I got to give it to my daughter first. So, Kyrie, what have you been playing? Roblox. <laughs> All right. What have you been playing Roblox with? Or who have you been playing with? Skylar. Skylar. Okay. And then who else? Nobody. Did mom start a Roblox? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. And what did mom do? Did you play with her? Yeah. I played with her on Brookhaven, which is the thing that me and Skylar normally play on. Okay. And she did not know what to do, so I told her like how to do everything, and I think she's go with it now. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. She still seems confused. Well, you know how when you try to play my games that you're not very good? I mean that with love, but you know how you have a hard time playing my games? Yeah. Mom has a hard time playing your game. You notice? I mean, she just started. I know that. All right. uh, I played, like, Gran Turismo, like, a year ago, right? Yeah. Actually, so one thing that we can do, I can go ahead and say one thing that I can (gasps) share. Kyrie and I played Gran Turismo, and we did some driving lessons the other day in the steering wheel and pedal setup, and Kyrie did some driving all on her own, right? Are are you done talking now? No. (laughs) (laughs) Then you want to talk about how you drove? Yeah. All right, well, get in the microphone. It was hard. I was bumping into the walls every two seconds, Mm -hmm. but I was pretty good at it. I mean, I got off the road like 16 times, but but you got off the road like 20 (laughs) You were on the grass half the time and hitting the wow. walls. Wow. Oh, man, I'm getting told on here. I don't know. <laughs> she may have saw me doing the, um, the, truth the time trials. The, the time trials that you do for the thing. And, yeah, I, I, I drive pretty aggressively to try and shave some time off. And every now and then that doesn't go so well. And you were trying to beat a goal, right? <laughs> I was trying to beat my own previous ghost self, yes. Well, okay. <laughs> Nothing like ghost? that. Uh, I did on one, and I'm still working on it on the I other. I beat my ghost. Yeah? Like twice. <laughs> you did? I don't know. So if I go fast, then I'm not going to be able to beat my ghost. Okay, Kyrie. Try talking to the microphone. <laughs> okay. Anyway, I'll all right. I'll scoot over then. So that's what we've played on our side. I've been playing a bunch of Gran Turismo 7 VR, and I've played a little bit more. But Chris, I'm going to go ahead and pass over to you. What you been playing, buddy? I've been playing a couple things. Uh Big one is I started Dying Light. That's the new game that I've been playing is Dying Light 2. I'm really enjoying it. It's pretty fantastic. Um, Obviously, I had my reasons for waiting. Just fell off it, but put it on recently (laughs) and just been having a lot of fun. So, recommend it. All right. So, it's it's landed much better than when you fell off of it? 
Yeah, so far. <laughs> is that just a you thing, or has the game been considerably updated since you fell off? I think it has been updated, but oh, is Kyrie's done? Oh, okay. she's telling me a secret. Go ahead, Chris. That's Let the audience know what's going on. We're getting a secret here. She's saying you didn't actually crash twenty times. You were off the road at least twenty-five times. At least twenty-five times. Yeah, but bare minimum. You tried to throw me under the bus and say I was lying, but I just covered for you. That was the secret. (laughs) All right, so Dying Light Two is working a lot better for you, and then I see that you, uh, despite saying that you were going to wait, you continue to dive ever so deeper into Baldur's Gate Three's guts. Oh my God! Yeah, so I'm playing one of the uh, pre-done character, like an origin character. Uh, okay, I'm playing yeah. the um, the Dark Urge, which I don't know if you've done any research on that yet, but you play a serial kisser, and he, it's uh, you have to you can choose to succumb to the whims of the serial kisser, or you can choose not to kiss, and it's really cool because okay. I've been playing it like the most violent kisser of all time. Okay. And it's super fun, and it's changed the entire way the beginning of the game plays out. And I because really everyone's been it. kissed. Not everyone. Like I still have a party, but there's been some small stuff where, like when you do a long rest, stuff happens. Mm. Not to, I won't spoil anything, but stuff happens, and then you wake up and you're like, "What happened? What's going on?" Blah blah blah. So it's this really cool like way you're going about it. But I'm playing it as like violently evil. Like my character okay. makes all the evil decisions and like is trying really hard to kiss everyone he sees. So like yeah, suddenly he's a, he's or a, overtly? Overtly. Like I've told everyone in my party that I love to kiss people and they're just like, Okay, we better take care of that worm in our head. <laughs> um, <laughs> but it's been really fun. I think what'll be super interesting is I've been debating I guess I shouldn't tell you this because you're one of the people in the party, but for the content, right? I've been debating just playing that character, but not telling you guys and seeing how long <laughs> we can get into the game until uh, anyone notices something weird like, going on. Yeah, you notice that every like every other person that we've talked to has been kissed. Yeah, exactly. Why are so many people <laughs> being kissed right now? Um, I think that would be really fun. So we'll see. Okay, I was lying the last time. It was thirty. Speaking of a speaking of a serial kisser, yeah. Carrie wanted to uh, give you the gesture of offering you a kiss. Here you go. Oh, thank you. <laughs> and here goes my kiss, and one for the camera. The joke we've been making is these have got milk chocolate in them, or like milk. I don't know what they're weird, but they look like refried beans in the packaging. So they're refried beans <laughs> inside of kisses. That would be disgusting, but I'm not um, a big. So that was on. That was on person. topic. Kyrie, yeah. you've had these in your hands. They're quite literally melted. <laughs> <laughs> that was the best turnout that there could have been. I can't I wish, even eat it if I wanted. I'd wish we'd uh, prepared for that because if I could have had a Hershey kiss to like take out and oh eat, yeah, that would have been. Maybe I should have told you that'd have been good. Like if we know, transferred it through the camera, I could have gone to the CVS quick. Um, well, maybe Kyrie can be a, a future here and there staple of uh, Triangle Squared. Kyrie's corner. Yeah. <laughs> Within the context uh, of this show and what that segment is, I don't like that. <laughs> no. Um, yeah. Kyrie's <laughs> elementary school classroom. <laughs> Kyrie's classroom. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> With a K. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right, Kyrie. I think Mortal we're going to get moving on the show. So do you want to go ahead and go out there with mom? 
No? Okay. <laughs> well, you can stay there. Just try to be mindful. Okay. So, Bowder's Gate 3, uh, you're not spoiling it for when we play together, though. That's all that matters at this particular point. Yeah, no. It's, it's a build that if I do it, if I do it during our playthrough, it'll be something of like a... Uh, I'm just like exactly what I had just said. Like I'm gonna see if they if they notice or like how this changes our playthrough. But because you so can, this is actually something I didn't think about. I think in normal D and D, can you really subvert what you're even doing to the group because of the way that the game is played? I feel like in, the answer is no. I I've never played D&D, a game yes. where I just don't know how you even go about it. I've never had a party where we've done that when I have played in you know in. I don't life. know if we'll ever get to it, but I've always had an idea for a campaign where the main villain is one of the party members and I like tell that person at the beginning of the campaign where they just play it like regular until the end and it's like you have to face this boss well, and it's this guy you've been hanging I, I out guess, with. I guess that's fair. That's how you would have to do it. You, but yeah. what I mean by that is by nature of having to somewhat communicate with a dungeon master that's right. part of everything going on, it's inherently more difficult than a video game that, as far as I can tell, I guess we're not seeing, for lack of a better term, your, your character sheet, I suppose. So you we're can. just meeting into a world where you're there. Oh, okay. You can't huh. see it. I'm wondering how I'd be able to obfuscate it, but I know that I can do, like, uh, I can put in the settings, I can put the, my cutscenes to private. So even if in my game I kill someone, you guys wouldn't see that cutscene. So you'd have to, like, be like, oh, didn't this person come to camp last night and now they're gone? <laughs> you know? Like, you guys would have to put that together. But I yeah, also wonder, maybe the character sheet just says the dark urge and then it's all done. But I would like to say, I think my character name for this character is incredible. I think it's my best work. And it's Night Stalker, but K-N-I-G-H-T. I think it's a pretty great name. He's a serial okay. killer. So you know the Night Stalker, but Fantasy d d uh, Hey, hold on. Stalker. I thought he was a serial kisser. What happened here? Uh, yeah, he's the Dark Urge took a dark turn. <laughs> the Dark Urge took a dark turn, yeah. <laughs> Wow. I feel bad for him, you know? You can only self-edit so much. I was surprised at how much you kept up with the serial kisser aspect. For anybody who follows us on any of the social media uh, and anybody who just noticed, hey, there's not an episode of this last week. I have not been having a great time in the non-podcast part of my life in terms of uh, the funding my existence part of my life. It's not been fun. Even though it's in the word funding, it's it's inherently missing. So I was thinking the same thing. With that said, (laughs) I appreciate all the patience and grace uh, that so many of you gave me whenever I kind of last minute decided to postpone that. And that includes you, Chris, uh, because I know that I kind of upended the entire day's plan. But, you know, you have (laughs) those things with yourself where I remember that Monday, I kind of had the feeling like, man, I don't know if I'm up for it. But I was like, Tuesday is a different day. So let's see. And then I woke up Tuesday and I just the whole day as and then as things kept happening at work, I was like, I don't know (laughs) if I can do this and and have a good time with it. And, you know, I got to say today really wasn't a lot better. In, in many ways, but I think that having the uh, the room in order to not have to push myself through it last week has me in a better position to be able to kind of 
come at this with a different mindset. I think Kyrie wanting to be part of it was actually a lot of fun and got me in a better mood. It's an interesting thing. I also played a lot of games this week, more games than I've played probably in the last month. And my daughter's playing Roblox right now. Um, Roblox. I think I said Roblox technically. But anyway, uh, with all that in mind, I am hitting this week. And I want to tell you, there's something to be said about how your overall mood impacts your enjoyment of things, your perspective, your perception of things, and all that. And I think we'll get to talking about that a little more in depth once we get to talking about Gamescom in, um, you know, in full. But I just wanted to... First and foremost, say I appreciate the the leverage everyone kind of gave me to have some time. And uh, Chris actually, <laughs> after I got after I told him what was going on, we ended up spending Tuesday playing Remnant Two uh, and a big heavy mm. chunk of it. Actually, probably the most we've played in I a single so, sitting. In a continuous. Um, and I'm very excited to get back to doing that. It's just you know schedules being what they are. I haven't really bothered to <laughs> to reach out to you because I've also been playing other things that I've been wanting to catch up on. So I've been using the past week to try and use my after work time to detox as much as I can from work, so that when I go back the next day, I'm hopefully at a better starting point. And that doesn't always work, but that's uh that's life. So let's get going into the episode and in uh, in kind of earnest. Uh, but my last two games and. Uh, really great games. I played Twisted Metal, got the Platinum in it, and I am playing Twisted Metal 2 right now and working towards the Platinum in it. And boy, howdy, is Twisted Metal 2 hard. <laughs> yeah. That was my... Uh, that was my I didn't away. realize... Afterwards, I realized that, oh, Chris meant that he got these with cheats. Our, don't let me lie to you, but that's what I understood. I, is skipped, that to, I you, skipped to the end of each one. Okay, so, so you I didn't... Did you use God mode? Once I learned about it, yeah, but I beat it like two or three times without it. Before that? Yeah. yeah. And that game's difficult. You know, I, I was yeah. surprised at how often I was hiding and specifically staying away from people in order to survive. But it was a good time. Uh, and yeah, I think that those games, games hold up surprisingly well from a gameplay system standpoint. Where they don't hold up so well is that I forgot that these games were made before analog sticks. And so even yeah. though these games are playable on analog sticks... um, it doesn't particularly feel great. No, it I doesn't. think when I start playing again, I might try one of the alternative control schemes to where you can actually hold X for gas instead of having to push forward and oh, I didn't pull know backward. That was a thing. I looked yesterday before I got off and saw that there are two other options, and I was like, I'm going to try one of those just to see. Yeah. I, it kind of sucks now because I'm like, I did the full legitimate play with. Um, I used Roadkill and Twisted Metal 2 as my first full legitimate play. I used Sweet Tooth in the first game always on my first full play after a while just because he's a really easy, tanky character that can put out a crap load of damage. He's really fun to play as as well. But I did all that, and that was a good time. Are you just going to sit here and talk the whole time? <laughs> I'm sorry. No, can I explain? This is just a funny offshoot. This is where tech has gotten. You know, I don't feel old very often, if I'm being honest. But then I just watch my daughter as she refuses to type almost anything while playing roblox she just hits the keyboard hits the microphone and just text to talks everything and then hit send inside of roblox and i just think that that's quite funny i mean it's resourceful i'll give her her credit where it's due so yeah twisted metal 2 is a great game um but playing that on an analog stick has been a little rough but it's been great playing those and i actually am kind of glad i'm getting to platinum them i won't say without any cheesing even though clearly the point of that being in there is you can only go to the skip to the final boss whenever you've beaten the game through legitimately one time but i'm having a good time doing it that way i think i would be a little disappointed or i wouldn't be having the same experience if i was just going into them god mode and then 
breaking the game to platinum it in an hour. So I'm having a good time with that. It's taking sure. a little more time. And it's given me an urge to want to play the PS3 Twisted Metal again, which is an incredible game, and I adore it. I've never so, played the PS3 Twisted Metal. Oh, ah, I, uh, the online's almost undoubtedly closed. <laughs> oh, definitely closed. <laughs> Unless it was peer-to-peer, I don't know. But, dude... That game is super fun multiplayer. Like it is, and it's also a local multiplayer game. So you can play it on a single TV if you have that. You know, the thing that's uh, mostly gone from modern games, unfortunately. Um, But with that in mind, talking about what we've been playing uh, and talking about old classics, we have a question that I think this is a good time to go into. Uh, We have Turning Amish uh, from Twitter asking simple question been loving premium and getting classics on a monthly basis. But will we ever get some PS2 games outside of what was done as a part of the PS2 ports in the past? And so that was originally called PS2 Classics, I think, late PS3 and early PS4 days. Uh, And the only ones playable nowadays are still the ones that were done for PS4. Um, Chris, do you have any thoughts on whether you think we will see it? And if we do see it, do you have any PS2 games that immediately jump to mind as ones you'd be interested in seeing this treatment for? Um. I think we will see more. I think it behooves them to do it. There's no good reason not to. Um, did they release the PS2 siphon filter, or did they skip it? I think all the siphon. I think all the siphon filters are out right now. I think you might be. That's why I was trying to think. Is it Omega Strain that was a PS2 game? Yeah, I have. Omega that feels Strain right. Is. That's I have that one on PS2. So that is okay. definitely one. So I got to see. Okay, it looks like it's saying that it's not on PS5, or at least it wasn't as of May 17th. Wasn't that the multiplayer one? No. The multiplayer one, um, well, there may have been more than one. There was one that was called something Ops on PSP that was entirely portable uh, or multiplayer, and it was very fun. It may have also been on PS2. It was like an in-between game between Dark Mirror and Logan Shadow. Gotcha. Uh, but very good. So it looks like maybe they weren't. Uh, I don't know what truth there is to this, but just as an interesting note, let me go back to it real quick. Shouldn't have closed so quickly. Uh, this forum that is on here where they were asking about it, uh, one user says, apparently, but never officially confirmed, there's a major security flaw with the original PS2 to PS4 emulator that they were using to do those games, which is why we haven't gotten a new PS2 Classic in a while. Sony would have to develop a completely new emulator. So if that's true... Interesting. That's you know, true. at this point, back in a while. <laughs> okay, kind of variation on the question: If it comes down to PS2 to PS3 emulation, which one would you prefer to see PS3. over the other? PS3. That's an easy PS3. PS3. But here's the thing: functionally speaking, if all it is is making a new PS2 emulator, that's way easier than making, as they've talked about, a PS3 emulator that's a game by game emulator, basically. Facts, Functionally 100%. speaking, it's far easier for them to just be like, "Yeah, we're going to make a PS2 from the ground up emulator." But yeah, I don't know. That, that's you, hard to it's hard to believe because you think they would have pulled the original PS2 to PS4 games if that were the case. I would say you could argue that they've already done that work, or not they've already done that work. But if you get a PS3 emulator, you could probably get a PS2 emulator going. Right? Not that they're the same, but they do have. You were able to play ps2 on ps3 at one point so maybe if they get both one going they can get both going 
Well, and it was various stages, right? There was hardware emulation for PS3 at one point where it was a chip on board. Then there was software emulation, and then they did away with that too. And I'm not sure if the software emulation model still had a, a vestigial part of the chip on there that was still cheaper. I'm unsure. I just know that not all backwards compatible models are created equally. So yeah. who knows what that comes with? I mean, I, I guess inherently PS3 emulation, true PS3 emulation does not include PS2 emulation. It was always done with some level of the actual hardware from PS2, either on chip or partially on chip. Yeah. My hope is just if they can get one, they can get both kind of using the same kind of mm. emulator. You know, I think the thing here is that it's not true completely across the board, but you know, going back to like what games would you even want to see hit that service? I think that gets really hard to think through because if I'm being honest, I think most of the PS2 games that were great enough to want to be easily playable by now, most of them got given some kind of HD treatment. Now, they're still not available to play on like PS5 because PS3 games aren't, and a lot of those games happened during the PS3 era when we got their first HD remasters. Uh, and we've got a remake of a few, but I don't know. There's a few games like that I'm sure people would love to see, like Dragon Quest VIII, unless that's been remade elsewhere and brought forward. I don't know that it has. Maybe as a DS title, but that's not necessarily any easier to play. Yeah. Um, so with that in mind, I mean, Tony Hawk Underground. I don't think we ever saw a Tony Hawk Underground 1 and 2 uh, remaster, but that'd be pretty sick. I would take so, that. But then again, it's like all that's like licensing hell. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. All the games that people would love to see have so much licensing that bringing them forward would be incredibly complicated. Uh, not even from a development or emulation standpoint, strictly from a can we get the rights to even do this anymore? Yeah, and it's probably so complicated it might not be worth it for some of them. But like, what do you? I, I'm not trying to disparage the lineup, but what are you missing right now? You know, I guess is my question because you have a lot of the mainstays. Like the GTA titles have been released multiple times. Um, sure. All of this kind of stuff, and that's not to say there's not games that you want to play on there. I guess my question is like, what is truly missing? That would, you know, do you understand what I'm trying to say? I don't know how to articulate. I do. Um, and I, I, I get what you mean. And I'd say that all the, I think that the first batch of PS2 to PS4 titles that they did almost entirely tried to account for that because you got games that didn't get HD treatment, but were kind mm-hmm. of like fan favorite games like Dark Cloud 1 and 2. Right. And I cannot for the life of me think of the name of that game where you're like a, a space pirate. It's a JRPG but regardless, Rogue it came out too. It was a late Galaxy? PS2 game. Galaxy something? Rogue Galaxy. Yeah, you're right. Rogue yeah, Galaxy. Yeah. So a game I never got around to playing, but I think all of the games that really hit that service were the ones that were kind of caught in that limbo of, well, they never really got HD remakes. Uh, but, you know, unfortunately, a lot of the HD remakes still have these games almost impossible to play. Like the fact that we can't play Sands of Time you know, that HD remaster is incredible and yeah. you can't play it unless you have a PS3. So there's a lot of games where I was like, I would love to see it. But the the only reason for that is because PS3 emulation is absent. So yeah. really, if you just solve PS3 emulation and that means that all the PS2 HD classics come up with that, you kind of get the best of both worlds. But I almost still wonder get what licensing would be like. Because like a few games that you go to, like SSX Tricky would be like an incredible yes, game to bring go. forward. I have that. I just same that problem. 
what what kind of music is on that game that you'd have to try and get the rights to again? And now you have to think about digital rights because you have to distribute it digitally. And when yeah. that game was originally done, you weren't given digital rights because that didn't really exist. So it's it's a weird balance. Um, yeah, I'd say most of them. Maybe the only one that's still genuinely stuck that I'd like to see is like um, Eco. Because like Shadow of the Colossus mm-hmm. got that ground up remake, which is incredible. I would actually kind of love to see Eco get that kind of treatment. But it's it's such a game... It's, it's a type of game that I don't – it feels even more out of place in today's games industry than I think it did in, when it came out. Really? Interesting. Yeah, I think I think a lot of gamers – and I, I could be wrong, but I think part of the way I checked that out is The Last Guardian is an incredible game, and it did not sell very well. Mm-hmm. And there's two ways to think about that. The first way to think about it is that The Last Guardian is – not as good of a game as Eco, therefore it did not draw as much thing. I don't personally think that. I think they're ver- they're both very incredible versions of the story they're trying to tell. They're similar games. Uh, I think the side I land on, and what I think is the other main option, is that games are getting more and more and more and more expensive to make, and the mm-hmm. market for people who will actually buy those games is not growing along with that budgetary restraint. So even though the game could sell a sales figure number that works in terms of, or that's comparable in terms of how many millions of units it sold, it's not going to be enough to justify the budget that comes with that type of game any longer. And so that's the thought process. Whereas I think Shadow of the Colossus is an easier game for someone to see and go, yeah, that looks fun. There's an immediate, obvious goal and prize. And the game is just that if you want it to be, and it's so much deeper if you want it to be. Whereas Eco and The Last Guardian are both very puzzle-heavy. They rely on you being a shepherd to someone else. And a lot of people find that frustrating. So I don't know how big the market is for that. It's, it's maybe as big as it's ever been. It's just in today's budgetary constraints, it'd be interesting to see that. Speaking of which... I don't. Know, I know that you never got around to playing Shadow, um, Shadow of the Colossus, or have you ever played Eco? I have not played Eco, nor have I played Last Guardian. Oh, man. Um, well, the developer for that announced a new game, or you know, the the creative director who went on to make a new studio that the one that finished the Last Guardian. Um, he made a new studio and teased a game, and that's been like five years ago, and we've never seen anything else from it. And it kind of feels like The Last Guardian all over again. And it makes me wonder, is it the same problem? Is it just making that type of game with today's hardware stuff in mind is just too expensive to get done at a level that works? But I I don't know. I can't even think of the name of it. You might be muted, but... um, Um, I would think probably there's... It's it it's hard to you know when you're spending a hundred million dollars on a game you it's hard to be like oh this is gonna be the creative cool thing that the fans will like it doesn't make you know if it don't make dollars it don't make sense you know what I mean <laughs> <laughs> it's a great thing realistically yeah. Um, so yeah all right well I don't know I mean at this point Twisted Metal Black is one of the games the only thing I would say that I would add on to this is the, I would love to see more PS2 games come just because uh, undoubtedly there are ones like I always talk about Maximo Ghost of Glory and stuff like that. I'd love to see those brought forward. I don't know how reasonable it would be to do so. Uh, 
But what I really wish would happen is that more of the PS2 to PS4 games would be looked back on and given Platinums. Because I want to yes. tell you, if you look at the trophies for Twist, uh, Twisted Metal Black, there is no <coughs> way in hell that game should not have a Platinum tied to that. Mm-hmm. Just yeah. add the Platinum. If you have a Platinum in Twisted Metal 1 and 2 and not in Black, <laughs> that makes zero sense. Not for any reason other than Black is a far more involved game. The Platinum and Twisted Metal 2 is significantly harder just because there's significantly more levels and significantly more drivers in Twisted Metal 2 in comparison to 1. Yeah. So you, you upscale that more for Black, and Black is a hard game as well. So I'd like to play Black because that's the one that's more traditional, right? Like it's It's... It's it's kind of like the perfect blend between the classics and the PS3 era. I still personally prefer the PS3 eras more. I think the driving is far more responsive. But I think it being a little bit... <laughs> I mean, I don't know. The PS3 one, for all intents and purposes, is twisted metal. I mean, everything is... It's an arena brawler that you just happen to be in cars in. It's, it's, a, it's Halo in cars. <laughs> You know, it's it's Unreal Tournament in cars. Like, yeah. I don't know how else to say it other than that. And like, part of I, I don't know if that's why the, they don't work as well anymore because people aren't as into that. Because like, you look at a game like Twisted Metal Two, and it's kind of hard to think that at one point in time, a game that is that slim, in all honesty, was fifty dollars at a time mm. when fifty dollars was way more money than it is now. <laughs> Seriously, you know. Uh, Twisted Metal one for sure because like all of the Calypso prizes are just a wall of text on the same background. Yeah, like they're fun to read, but for the most part, there's very little that goes into it. One of the biggest jumps for Twisted Metal two is voice acting, and kind of like those weird FMV videos where it's like little bits of motion. I mean, it's still a big step up. It's just it's interesting to see. Yeah, so I'll, I'll check them out. I got to go back to Twisted Metal one. I platinum Twisted Metal two, so. There you go. Oh, you never got to one. No. One's an interesting platinum. Is it? Yeah. Yeah, because even though you jump to the end whenever you beat it right the first time through, uh, whenever you go to do it, instead of it being like two where the code jumps you directly to the Dark Tooth fight, the difference is is that you do the minion fight that you do at the end of all the Twist Metal one, but instead yeah. of it being just minion, it's minion and the cars that were in the fight before you do minion, so it's four cars. Oh, okay. That's kind of neat. Yeah, it's it's interesting. Kyra, baby, it's getting a little late. I want you to go ahead and skip out of here, okay? Bye-bye. Bye. Bye, baby. If I don't see you before bedtime, good night, okay? All right. So, Gamescom. This is going to be an interesting conversation to have. Because where I was kind of going earlier with everything about Gamescom, I told you I didn't have a great day at work today either. And I was, you know, I came home in kind of a not great mood and I was working on I was like, I feel like I need to try and watch uh, Opening Night Live. And I did. I watched about an hour and a half of it. And I was like, God, this is still going. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I feel like I want to do the podcast, but I don't want to, you know, not know what I want to talk about. So the first thing to get out of the way is I was not able to watch all of it. I just wasn't. I wanted to, but it would have pushed schedule far too hard. And I would rather get in here, hang out with Chris, talk and try and get back in the rhythm of doing the show and hope that that helps with everything else going on. So I did watch a good chunk of it. But what I kind of ran into is uh, the entire time the show was going on, I was arguing with myself over whether my mood is what's making me feel so jaded towards most of what was being shown. <laughs> if it was the if it was the quality of the showcase itself or if I'm just 
aging out, I think, is the wrong word. But it's the best thing I can say right now is, am I moving out of being more simpatico with what the games industry finds compelling enough to put into these showcases? Oh, boy. Okay. And that was kind of the triangle I was in of trying to figure out what was what. Um, because like I noticed even early on, I remember like they had the Starfield guy come out on stage to do the composer thing. And the first words out of my mouth, my wife was on the couch. I said, I don't give a fuck. <laughs> I was just trying to fast forward through it. And I was so, she was like, you can just fast forward. I was like, yeah, but I don't know how long he plays for. So I don't know when to stop. I'm having to sit here and search out to see this guy get off the piano. And I was like, I normally don't care that much. Clearly my mood is not helping. <laughs> yeah. Um, I get that. So, so I think you watched more of it than me. So I think at this point, I'm kind of <clears> going to start with what are your take on it? Like you watched more of it. I know you also said you didn't finish it, which is hard to do given everything going on. Uh, yeah. You know, in terms of how long this thing was. Um, and of course the fact that I had to work, so I couldn't just be watching it. I wish I could have. So what is your take on how good this showcase was from what you did see and then this list? And I'm going to kind of use that as a chance for me to look over the list and catch anything I didn't see from myself. Um, I mean, there's some cool stuff announced. It was a very Xbox-heavy show. I don't know if you know if you picked up on that. It was a lot of uh, day one on Game Pass or PC Game mm-hmm. Pass. That was one takeaway I had. But I mean, some I think stuff that's just cool. the proliferation of games of Game Pass. Yeah, uh, whether we Killing like it or three. not, whether it's good for the industry <clears throat> or not, you know. Yeah, well, I'm playing them on PS4 or five, so it's fine. Uh, <laughs> I thought Killing Floor Three looked really good. Um, I know Immortals of Avium didn't review crazy hot. Sorry about that for you, brother. But um, that does look good. Like I'm looking forward to playing that whenever one of us gets oh, around I'm to picking it. it up. I'm buying it today. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah. Um, okay. I guess give me a second because it's a perfect time to go on that tangent. I feel like this is in line with what I'm talking about. And that's okay. why I'm kind of questioning that triangle that I spoke of because I thought, I thought Avium looked awesome. Yeah. And then the reviews came out and, and, and it, the only reason I care about the review score is because of the Metacritic thing. <laughs> but I am finding and I'll have to play the game to back this up. But even what they showed today looks incredible. Yeah. And then I watched Skill Up's review on it. And I'm like, yeah, this sounds like exactly what I wanted it to be. Mm-hmm. And that's where I'm getting this thing where I do feel like maybe I'm falling out of favor with the mainstream gaming setup. Because much like for Spoken and much like another, a number of these games that have not been getting reviewed so much that I've been really enjoying. And I feel like that's only been continuing as each year goes on. I'm like, I really like this game and I really love this. And yet all these other aspects, well, it's not big enough. It's not complicated enough. The combat's not this. It's not open world. It's only 15 hours and $60. Right. And I'm like, I, all of those things are fine. Like I don't want to, you know, and so I'm, I'm struggling there because I feel like if Avium is considered a AAA game, which I don't see any reason why you wouldn't consider it a AAA game, so I'm going to call it AAA. Goodness, yeah. And it's a good example of AAA doing something that's in the wheelhouse that I like. And I think that Skillup's wording that he used was like it's a good palate cleanser. And I that's what I've been calling it. Like It's, it's yeah. a perfect game amidst all of these juggernaut games to take a break and say, I want to play something, but get the feeling of completion, but not feel like I'm anchored to it for 50 hours, if not more. And I think this game is striving to do that. 
But I don't know if the because of course I haven't gotten to read all the reviews. Yeah. Is, the, is the problem just the quality of what's there and not just the nature of what's there? Or is the problem that the ga- people who are reviewing this game have a problem with the nature of this being a linear game and a 12 to 15 hour campaign at a $60 price point? And like, you know, it's it's interesting. And I also feel like we're seeing that social media loop where because Metacritic says the game is a 72 or whatever it is right now, there's already people being like, oh, this game's trash. And I'm yeah. just like, how? Like, what? How is that the cycle you hit? So today's been a roller coaster of me trying to figure out if I'm out of touch with. Well, I guess the better question is who is mainstream gaming targeting now? Is it still it, it? Is it the same age group, and I'm just aging out of that group, and therefore my mindset's changing? Because well, my mindset's not changing so much as our age group has different sensibilities about gaming than the younger game group, just by nature of how generations kind of work. And I don't know if that's it. I mean, do you feel this at all, or do you feel like the show had a bunch for you that you were like, hell yeah? I feel it to a degree. Um you know, I, I I mean, I feel I think probably just as much, if not more, than you at certain points because I'm the one who's on the show. Like, I don't think Horizon's very good. You know what I mean? And I've fallen out of favor mm-hmm. with a lot of weird stuff. But then I'll come on the show and be like, "Disco Elysium is great," or Baldur's Gate, or Marvel Snap. And then it'll be people who are like, "Yeah, those games are good. They're just not." You know, it wasn't the PlayStation game of the of the month or the big. Release, I guess Baldur's Gate is the biggest release, but I've been talking yeah, about that game true. for years, so <laughs> I'll give myself credit on that one. But there's been small stuff. I'll call even- that the exception, though. I, I think that usually a game like Baldur's Gate would not get. I, I, I'm happy for Larian, but I think it's pretty obvious that two games that are at least in a similar vein clearly didn't enjoy the same success in Divinity Original Sin One and Two. Right. Like they're not the same game, but they're not super different. And there's a big difference between how Baldur's Gate Three is doing versus those. Yeah, and Divinity, the conversation around them, despite being incredible, is not a best RPG of all time. Like universally, sure. almost praised. Sure. And it's, it's stuff like Midnight Suns, where you know I gave that game. I think I, I think I gave that my game of the year that year, and then. You know, you have people now who are getting it on trial or getting it on sale who are like, yeah, this game is awesome. Like, this game is great. So I just think I I tend to skew a little off the reservation on stuff, even to the point where I'm like, I didn't mention it, but I I bought and I've played a little bit of Red Dead Redemption. And oh, yeah, I'm like, this is fine. Is it worth what I paid? Depends on what you're saying, which I think is kind of what we're talking about right i'm gonna if 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 i platinum red dead that's a hundred hours right so (laughs) you know what i mean so fifty dollars for a hundred hours is good value it's a hundred hours that i did when i was you know 15 but or 17 i guess but the point is that Mm -hmm. like now for the fifty dollars spending this much or um, spending this much time on the game, it's like, this is good value. This is good value for money. But, you know, just because the menu's not in 4K, it, it, people are, are saying it's bad. And I just think, eh, it's, it's still a good game. Um, but it's still not 
you know, they should have charged you $30, but that's okay. I paid the, I said to, to Blake, we were talking about it. Um, and I'm like, you know, I had stars, $20 in stars credit. So I'm like, I got it for the same price as Xbox. So I don't care, but you know, that $50 that's is fair. big, but you know, if you watch, I'm the, glad you said that I can use that towards Avium. Cause I've got like 30 or maybe more. I have a lot of stars points and I just <laughs> keep forgetting that there exists. So between that, I'll just do a reward. I'll, I'll use my Sony rewards and then my stars rewards and Hell yeah. three games all year round, baby. Immortals of Avium. Gotta love that. Um, <laughs> Yeah. I don't know because right now it's I'm looking for smaller stuff like Immortals because I don't I know what's going to happen when I get Baldur's Gate on PS5 and I'm like I'm going for the platinum and then I spend you know the next four months of this podcast and me going yeah, I'm still playing Baldur's Gate uh, tactician mode is really goddamn hard <laughs> you know what I mean um, yeah so it's nice to have a game that's like yeah you can probably finish this in 15 hours get the platinum in 20 there you go have fun wipe your hands of it. And to say, oh, I liked that game and move on. You don't have to, it doesn't have to be the best. Not every game that you play has to be your favorite game of all time, right? I think that's something I think is the disconnect that's happening with me and everyone else. Uh, And maybe it's just the way it's talked about online, but there's definitely this feeling that I don't like where it does feel like when talking with people online, and it's okay, I'm not trying to be hyperbolic because clearly it's not everyone. There's a lot of people I see on my own Twitter feed that are like, all this conversation around games being bad and this and that and whatnot are just stupid. And I see people just enjoying games for what they are. And I know that it's always easier said than done because you feel like anytime that you have what you consider to be a valid critique on a game, um, that you don't want it to seem like you're doing the same thing because you can have a valid critique on a game. And one of the things that happens whenever you like anything is that, whatever problem it is that you have with it, by nature of just what it is, even if there are other sensible problems, you view it as, well, the problem I have with it is the most important one. Even if you don't mean to, it's just kind of how your brain works. So you go like, well, they need to fix my problem with it. It's kind of the way you initially approach it. And through a little bit of just thinking through everyone else, you can go, well, other people's opinions on the game are also valid Mm -hmm. as long as they're actually from a genuine place. And what makes social media hard is it's hard sometimes to feel like if you can understand the critiques around games as being genuine and valid from someone who played and wanted to enjoy it and just couldn't versus someone who maybe didn't play it at all or played it with ill intent to begin with and never looking for anything positive from it. And I think that that comes into play. And with that in mind, I don't want to spend the whole episode crapping on opening night live because I don't really think that's what I want to say. I just noticed that there were a few things in my mood and my outside life outside of this as being one of those things where I wasn't as excited as I usually am for this type of event going into it, let alone what was being showed. So instead, Chris, what I kind of want to focus on, if you see so fit, is I want to actually highlight the few games that stood out to me that I did see. Uh, and then kind of speak on why I thought those looked interesting and why they spoke to me, even if they end up being games I may not actually interact with, um, just by nature of what was somewhat stimulating to me here and there. And uh, do you have a couple of games kind of that popped to mind for you that came out in the showcase? Um, I mean, look, like let me start this off with uh, that Marvel Snap trailer was pretty slick. That was pretty slick animation. Um, and I, I'm, I'm really happy with the PC launcher. So the PC game is really cool. Um, I don't know. There was some stuff like, 
stuff I won't play, but looked interesting, like Aura History Untold. I was like, that looks seems cool. Mm-hmm. Like I would like to play that, but you know, being it being what I think is an Xbox exclusive, I'm like, I probably won't venture over there for a uh, Age of Empires type kind of thing. But it's Age of Empires. But I mean, the big thing like Call of Duty, I thought looked really cool. Um, mm-hmm. Alan Wake Two obviously looked great. And listen, I'm I'm kind of thinking of playing Armored Core. Really? Is it kind of from what they showed? Do you feel like it's striking with cool. That trailer looked pretty cool. It looked pretty neat. I, <laughs> I do think the marketing is very effective for those games. I just don't know that I'm I don't think that it looked neat enough for me to take the plunge financially, let alone where I would work it in currently to my schedule. Yeah. But I'm not against playing it. I do think it looks interesting. I so like, like if you pick it if you pick it up, I I'll play it eventually. Yeah. Or I'll try think, it eventually. You know? I think that's more where I'm at with it, where I'm like, I'll play it eventually. But it does look really cool. Like maybe for forty bucks, like a month when our Baldur's Gate game is falling apart and you know, we've <laughs> <laughs> we're not there's nothing crazy coming out. Uh I'll I'll pick it up and give it a shot. It looks. It just looks fun. It did. It looks uh, kinetic, and I don't know. I didn't think this is what these games were. Like I thought this was going to be something much more hardcore. I don't know how to explain it, but you know how like if you want to be the absolute best at Gran Turismo, you have to edit the density of the little fucking felt on the tires. You know what I mean? Like. That's yeah, what I felt sure. the whole game of Armored Core was. <laughs> it was making sure you had enough fibers on your tire to get that extra <laughs> 0.01 mile an hour. And that's what it felt like. But I, this looks I don't like, think it's that sim heavy. I mean, they're clearly kind of action-y games. I won't say Zone of the Enders because I hadn't played those either. But I just I don't think it's too far outside of that. Like, you know, there's some I think there's some Gundam games that are a little more in line with what this is mm. trying to be. Like, it's clearly not an over-the-top anime style. Like it's still very mechanically, and I mean that not like game mechanics, but more like, you know, robot mechanics. Like, it's trying to think like, okay, if you had these types of things actually fighting each other, how do they go off? But it's not doing it with no stylistic flair. Yeah. And you know what? Here's this. Some This may piss some people off. I kind of want to know if From Software's got it outside of Dark Souls. <laughs> like, oh, no, outside I mean, of that type of game. Like, your gut wants to say yes, right? But like they're kind of have focused I think on the one legion thing. of fans for Armored Core up before Demon Souls and the Souls games sure. that even became a thing tells you that they have something. And the question I guess that you're asking at this point is is the something they have evident across all of their games? And it just took the Souls games being the thing that gave them the spotlight <laughs> for people to now see that their glory exists even in an Armored Core game. That's something well, inherently different. Here's the thing. From from Software was not... F- and look, I'm talking from my own perspective here. I don't, sure. don't want to hear from Kingsfield fans. I get it. But <laughs> for, I don't feel like From Software was From Software. Honestly, until... Demon Souls Three. Like I'm not saying Demon like, Souls Three. Demon Souls, uh, Dark Souls Three. Whatever. Apologies. <laughs> you know, obviously Demon Souls was a surprise hit. Um, Dark Souls brought that up. Dark Souls Two was a bad game, 
and then Dark Souls I would say 3. Bloodborne because Bloodborne came before Dark Souls 3. And was, I think okay. that was when you really. Yeah, I would agree. I like, thought Dark Souls 3 was first. It's weird because I agree with you and I don't all at the same time. Like I get what you're I get what you're saying and I get what I think you mean. But I remember playing Demon Souls on PS3 and being like, holy shit. Oh, me too. What am I playing? But and, and being it, like, this is incredible. But it, I, I will give you on the more sense of them becoming a household name where everyone was excited. Because I remember trying to get my friends to play Demon Souls and only a couple ever did. You know, I remember that being a conversation because people were like, what is this game? And you don't care. And it's like enough good games in a row people became from software fans, right? Right. I, I guess my thing is you, I don't hear Otogi fans. You know what I mean? And really outside of like, oh, is From Software doing Armored Core for the last like five years? Which... Obviously, they are. It's coming out next week, I think. But you didn't hear anything but Demon Souls, Elden Ring, Dark Souls, Bloodborne, Sekiro. And that's not to say that those games aren't incredible. Sekiro is one of the best games I've ever played. Bloodborne, obviously, a top five of the PS4 generation. But like Dark, again, Dark Souls Two is Dark Souls Two sucks, and Dark Souls One is great. Demon Souls is great. Demon Souls Remake is better. Oh, Demon Souls remake is so good. <laughs> it's better, but and then Elden Ring is obviously like gigantic. So I want to know what what they can do outside of there because yeah, I want to like right now like if this if this hits and this is a ten or this is on par with everything else they do, they can announce anything they want and then be like, it's going to be great. That's a day one purchase. But until I until for me, I see them branch out. I'm going to wait for reviews. It was the same thing when Gorilla went to Horizon. It's like, we got to see how this plays out, dog. Y'all y'all specialized on, you know, the third place first person shooter of the era. So, like, <laughs> we'll see how you do. And obviously they nailed it. So I'm not saying that they can't do it. I'm just, I just want to see. Well, yeah, a good thing, a good metric for this, right? It's been 11 years since the last Armored Core. Yeah, oh yeah. And in that oh, 11 years from software has become <laughs> a very I'll give it to you. I'll give you this though, right? I remember when the tr- when the trailer first started coming up uh during that reveal at what was it? Uh Game Awards maybe. Mm-hmm. I think it was Game Awards. Um we were sitting here, it was Yu-Gi-Oh night, we were watching it and I, I kid you not, a flicker of flame went across the screen and then Saul said <gasps> Armored Core. <laughs> and then it was Armored Core. And I was like, what the fuck did I just witness? Because I don't see how anything that hit screen would have told you. It, it was like a volcano. And then like a red flare of like light went across the screen. And, and he was immediately without a hitch. He said Armored Core. <laughs> he was right. So I am very confused. I don't know. Uh, so there's definitely fans for that. But yeah, it's, I, it's I interesting know, to see. Um, and of course, I know that there are going to be some people having that conversation and saying, well, if this game comes out and it's a 10-2, suddenly it has to be that people understand the value of buying a company like From Software. I don't want that to be the conversation. I <laughs> think I think from being independent, but just well, you know, Kotakawa, but being viewed in a more independent state, 
and just kind of being able to work with uh, Bandai, you know, Namco Bandai is better overall for the games industry and I think their own creative freedom because you think about this, Namco Bandai is a relatively big publisher, but their biggest games are from, from software, software games. games. Yeah. And I think from software has readily earned the ability to just kind oh, yeah. of be like, yeah, we're doing this and you can go suck my dick if you it's, don't want. It's crazy. Like, it's crazy that Sony is the one who keeps getting brought up as like Sony's going to buy FromSoft. Sony's going to buy FromSoft. If there's anyone in this industry who should be spending all of their money on FromSoft, it's Namco Bandai. <laughs> yeah. I would be surprised if Namco was like, whatever it costs to not lose you, we will yeah. pay. <laughs> you know what I find interesting Dude, about... you know when Elden Ring hit that 30 million or whatever, you know the people in Namco Bandai were just like wolf on Wall Street, rolling lines of coke off of strippers' <laughs> assholes, and just fucking... You, <laughs> you gotta <laughs> That's think ex- that they're, they're the type of publisher who... They're just here for the ride. You know, you won't, you probably won't understand this reference, but and and this could be insulting to some people. I'd apologize, but Bandco Namco reminds me of every baseball team in the '90s that wasn't the Red Sox or the Yankees, where you were you were raising like the A's were raising Johnny Damon so that the Yankees could pay him and take him away, and that's how Bandai Namco feels to me, <laughs> where from software is like we'll work with you guys. We'll work with you guys. And then, you know, they become a free agent and Sony's dick comes walking in through the door and they're like, here's $40 billion come to Sony, you know? So Sony software. Um, So I don't know. I I wonder if Namco Bandai is just along for the ride. Like we're, we're taking this as far as we can go, baby. Yeah. I don't know. I almost wonder what the kind of buying power a company like Namco Bandai would even have. And I'm not saying I want them to do it, but I I think if I'm looking at all of the options, (laughs) I think Namco Bandai would at least be like, you'd know that nothing would change. And you'd you'd think that with anybody else, but like if it was Microsoft or Sony, you worry about exclusivity, which Mm -hmm. is not a good thing. If it's Tencent, NetEase, or Namco, it's like, well, they're all going to, it's going to stay third party either way. It's just, which one of those do you think is least likely to interfere with development? Probably yeah. and, Namco because they the proof's in the pudding. Yeah, absolutely. The most interesting thing about this to me is that Sony does own fifteen percent or whatever it was of from software. Of Kodakawa. Yeah, yeah. But this is all Microsoft branded. Microsoft's got marketing, and Sony like Sony ac- actively owns part of that company. It's kind of interesting. Yeah. To me. Well, but they own the developer, right? They don't own the publisher. Yeah. That's that's where it comes into play. This is this is Sony. This is this is even uh, oh, Sony's is weirder, but this is like how Sony being the publisher of MLB, but not being the license holder, means that they get weird situations where their games on Game Pass, and they're like, oh, we don't have control I over that. Still think <laughs> if Sony had just looked at the MLB and been like, go fuck yourself, the MLB would have come back. Like, okay, maybe we don't, I don't get. Know. Maybe we don't get MLB the show for three years, but there's no other studio right now capable of making that game at that quality. Yeah, but if so I'm being honest have with you, to come back. even if they went three years off, I say this with love. What in the hell? Because you know that Sony San Diego's entire 
portfolio and budget and everything is based around the fact that they can they intend to continue a yearly franchise what do you do with that studio for three years while you wait and do you put them on something that then makes it hard for them to come back to it do the people that are part of that series success leave where do they go what happens so i think sony sees the value of keeping their friend you know their premiere studio alive by being like fine we'll do it and we'll make more money by publishing a game on another system even though we lose the marketing benefits that come from exclusivity. I agree. I just find it crazy that that the MLB that they would have the MLB would have let them walk away. Like it's hard for me to believe that when all yeah. Sony would have to do is just go. It's pull an EA and be like, it's baseball dugout 2023. You know, and <laughs> nondescript <laughs> players like. People would still play it because they think the fundamental. Obviously, there's a level of like, oh, I unlocked the Corey Seager card, but you know, baseball the show. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the show of ball base. <laughs> Home run, the show. Yeah. Anyway, what what else did you see? My work, Gamescom. Um, call me crazy, and call I thought crazy. this game looked okay before. But watching it here, and I think it's just because I've I've fallen more in love with this genre. I thought the Nightingale gameplay looked great. That looks pretty cool. And it kind of it made me be like, so it's like survival, but far more action inspired than a lot of survival games I've been playing. Like to some degree, Conan's pretty action inspired. It just depends on if you like that kind of action. But this has like that more showboaty kind of weird action. And Mm -hmm. I I think it looks cool. I may and uh, trying that out. I thought yeah, that was in, one of the big takeaways. It's in my favorite genre. It's a card-based survival game. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I think that that weird flip from going to like resource gathering to fighting things is just always interesting. Because I mean, 100%. like, yeah, all survival games are kind of like that, but it's like, to what degree? Because like, I don't think you can look at somebody and really say that Minecraft and Terraria are the same. Like they are, and they're not. Like Terraria is so much. Well, it's different now because Minecraft has gamified itself a lot more. But when Terraria first came out, Terraria is way more gamey and has way it's way more system influenced than Minecraft was. They're like, but Minecraft is more chill, you know. So and then you look and go, well, is Terraria the same as Conan? No. <laughs> I, th- I think they're like a canoe and a kayak, right? Yeah, it's like you look at them, you're like, they're sort of the same. Like, you don't know any do, different. A kayak can do everything a canoe can do, but a canoe cannot do everything a kayak can do. And Minecraft <laughs> would be a canoe and, a, and Terraria is a kayak. It's that simple. But yeah, I'm looking at Nightingale right now. It looks fucking awesome. Uh, I would, it does. I want to say I'd play this, but I'm not a big survival guy. So, But the card is combat. Are. Who knows? I know you. I, I know you aren't rather, but can can we talk about? Are you are you good with Nightingale? Because I want to talk about a different game quick. Yeah, no, go ahead. I, I mean, that's that's um, really all I want to say. I think that game's gameplay speaks for itself. Yeah, can we talk about best game of the show that you absolutely cannot pre-order or buy without seeing reviews first? Which was Cyberpunk twenty seventy seven Phantom Liberty, which looks fucking phenomenal. <laughs> I actually did not. I, I'm going to go pull it up right now because I did not get to check that out. Oh, dude, just uh, and I was so excited to. Yeah, no, it, it, don't wrong. Everything they've showed up until now looks incredible. You don't even have to try and sell me much on it. I just didn't get a chance to watch it yet. We'll watch it together. Doop, doop. 
it, it, watching it made me really glad I waited to do a PS5 playthrough because I've started a couple I'm actually, times. As soon as they announced it, I was like, man, I'm glad I didn't go back and play this again yet. Yeah. And then the more they talk about how much it's changing the base game, the more I'm like, okay, cool. Because oh, the longer the I get away from the base game, you know? Yeah. Yeah, because as we know, I loved Cyberpunk. But, you know, the great thing about time is that you keep most of the things you loved and you kind of miss out on the things you hate. So the weird thing is, is that playing it again with all these great new aspects is only going to compound on top of the already great things I remember about it. And it's going to be like the version that's in my head is going to be like so great. It's like I've played this game twice and it's amazing. Yeah. You know, I mean, I played it twice already. Oh, my God, already, this looks so. incredible. Dude. Dude, this looks so sick. And I already think the combat for Cyberpunk was really good. It just wasn't refined very well. That's what I yeah. would call it. And this looks to fix all those problems. All of it. Oh, my God. This looks incredible. And we're not even talking about the story and characters and everything. Just the gameplay itself Dude, looks incredible. The, the, chain, the chainsaw sword? To the neck? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no. Phantom Liberty looks awesome. But anyone who says, yeah, I want to wait until I get reviews, okay, yeah, I completely understand. Like, yeah. I don't need reviews. I'm good. I'm golden. I'm buying it. <laughs> but See, I want to feel that way, but the cyber, cyberpunk was so broken, even for me on PS5, where you know, we talked about this. I crashed mm-hmm. 77 times, and then I had to 100% the game twice because the Platinum refused to pop. So... I'm just going to wait until they're like, it's stable and works. <laughs> That's oh, all yeah, I want to no, hear. The, the difference is, is, you know that, uh, what do they call it? The Dunning-Kruger effect, where it's like yeah. the, the less you know about something, the more confident you feel about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I actually think that's what's happening here. Even though I played and beat and enjoyed Cyberpunk, you spent so much more time with it and got so much more into its meat that the, the thing that ends up happening is that you experience the worst of it at a far more often rate than I did. Yeah. And I experienced some of the bad, but I always had the the tale of the new, like I've never experienced this. This is still new for me. It's exciting. And the exciting mm-hmm. was outpacing the unexciting. But for you to have to play through it again, the newness of it was kind of worn off and you were just seeing the worst part of its outer veneer yeah. poke through even harder, like punching well, you in the spleen. Like, here I am, bitch. You know? The best thing I've <laughs> always said about Cyberpunk is that the fact that I continued playing it through all of that speaks to how well it, how good it is. Yeah, even with the problems. Oh my god! Exactly. Dude. The scene where the motorcycle's flipping up and then he like, shoots it and blows Out up. That's window. incredible. Yeah, man, yeah. I'm super excited, and I noticed a distinct lack of Johnny, which I thought was interesting. Which is weird because a lot of the preview things were saying, I think they're just being smart with marketing here. A lot of the previews were saying that he plays a surprising role in the story and that they don't backseat him like you'd expect. Like he actually talks and has opinions on everything that's going on. Uh, But I think it's smart not to show him now because you don't really need that from a marketing standpoint. Focus on Idris Elba. Yeah, give me me him. Give me whoever that was at the end. I feel like they were the ending of the trailer feels like they're teasing something like I'm supposed to know. I don't know Mm. if it felt that way to you, but the the guy's talking and it focuses on him and it's like, okay, it's like if it was a Marvel movie, you'd be like, that's fucking Captain America. That's cat. You know what I mean? (laughs) But in this one, I'm like, that's Yakuza guy. (laughs) 
Yeah, no, I think this looks incredible, and I'm very excited to play it. And that's, uh, you know, I've, been, I've had a weird relationship with gaming this year, quite literally. I I went from being, like, playing everything and, like, having this good time, or I really, at the start of the year, was playing all this new stuff, and then getting burnt out on new and playing so much old stuff and having a blast, and then trying to play new stuff again, and eventually hitting that same wall. And now I'm playing old stuff again, and I'm like, yeah, old stuff is awesome. I'm having such a good time playing Twisted Metal. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I have played... I have played easily 40 hours of Gran Turismo 7 in VR this this past week. It's, it's I've had a blast. Um, it's just, you know, it's, I've had a weird time, and I really need to try. See, that's why I'm trying to be careful. I don't want to tell myself I need to do it, because then I think I'm creating this expectation in my mind, and I'm building it up into this thing that's going to feel like I have to surmount it. And if I, I, I really got to work on just being like, yeah, I'm going to play that just when I'm going to play it. Like yeah. Avium is a in my soul. I can feel it right now. I want to play that now. Yeah. Like if, if we weren't going to do this show and I wanted to come back and do it, but if we weren't going to do this show, I'd be playing that game right now. No yeah. doubt about it. So would I. So I'd be like, thanks. Thanks. Let's play. <laughs> yeah. I think the game looks incredible. It's speaking to what I want. And I'm like that gut feeling, at least right now, is that I want to jump in and play it. Mm-hmm. Some of these other games, I'm like, I want to play it. But there's not an immediacy to that feeling. And I feel like if I try and force it, I'm going to be conflicted with that. Well, I wanted to play it, even though I didn't want to play it now. So why am I not jiving with it? And I don't want to have the feeling that you had with like God of War and Horizon, where you're trying to force yourself to play a game that you're something within you is telling you like, yeah, not right now, Mm -hmm. man. Yeah, (laughs) absolutely. So Don't need to go hunt um, grapes. So a couple more games I wanted to shout out and I thought were interesting looking. Um, this is an odd game for me to shout out, but I just thought it looked so cool. But gameplay-wise, it's in a genre I'm so iffy on. Mudrunner. And it's the first Descendant. It's the Nexon game. Yes, I was just going to say that because this game looks awesome. Does it not? It looks like all the best parts of Project Eve or whatever yeah. it's called, Stellar Blade, mixed with like a looter shooter, but in like a cool way. Yeah. And it had like these weird elements of like control and um, Returnal all like shoved into it. And I was just watching this trailer like, bro, this looks incredible. And then I saw Nexon and I was like, wait, is it an MMO? And then I, I, I thought back on what I saw. And I was like, no, it's like a Destiny style game. Dude, I I'm think. watching it again and I'm just, I kind of want to play it, it right now. It looks incredible. It I'm does. very excited for this. So I'm torn on it because I'm like, is this the type of game I like? And I think the answer is yes. <laughs> it looks really cool. <laughs> but on paper, a sci-fi looter shooter, I think the problem is that right now I'm uncertain to what level its online components are. But Nexon as a developer is almost exclusively online games. I don't think I've ever seen them down um, mm-hmm. develop something that wasn't an online MMO sort of game. Right. And I don't know if I need another Destiny-style game in my life. But maybe, you know, well, I got to follow don't my have destiny in your life right now. So <clears throat> that's true. That's true. This so looks like I'm going to try and do the same thing. I'll tell you this much. If this game was available, if this was a shadow drop, I have a feeling that if it weren't for Avium, at least I'd be downloading this and trying it like today. Well, is it exclusive? I don't think so. I think it's just a, um, yeah, I only oh, if it s- is, then incredible. I only saw but, the Xbox logos, but it's an Xbox. Yeah, I just branded um i just assumed it was marketing because I'm and actually if you think about if you think about it this is a perfect game to get a marketing deal <clears> on when sony has stellar blade 
Yeah. Well, and the weirdest part is it says register for crossplay open beta. So you'd think that means PS. Yeah, it's okay. It's oh, coming yeah. to PlayStation. That's what I thought. Yeah. Um, yeah, I yeah, think this, this game looks incredible. This looks fucking brilliant. I'm, I'm excited for it. Um, it hasn't been reviewing well, but I thought Fort Solace. I was interested looks in the. Good. I was interested in the story of it because I didn't notice it looks fine, but then they're talking about the game and they're like, "Yeah, uh, ten developers. Uh, this is my first VO project." Troy Baker put his butt through a wall. Okay, see you later. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, speaking on Gamescom more as the an, an event or at least the opening night live section of it. One thing that was weird is I like Zack Snyder. You know that. But there's been so many parts where people came on stage and I was like, why does this feel so awkward? Like almost everybody besides Jeff and even Jeff a few times. I was like, why does he feel out of rhythm? And I don't know. I was like, did the guy coming on stage talking about Grand Theft Auto 6 just ruin the tone for the whole show? (laughs) Probably. Maybe everyone was on edge like, who's the next motherfucker that's going to get on stage and who am I going to have to drop? the same guy. <laughs> that wasn't the same dude as uh, it is the that's the same Hillary dude. Clinton was it? Yeah, it's the same dude. Or Bill Clinton, same child, <laughs> reformed rabbi, who keeps somehow being allowed into these events and then running up on stage. It seems, dude. Staged. There's no way. I don't think that that was the same kid. Five bucks. Oh right now. no, no, no joke. Whenever Jeff start kept talking and he was like, "Oh shame, you know shame." Without further ado, I was like, "If this motherfucker's like grab the Sticks. I was like, this is a insane marketing. That was like, you know what? Do you remember at his last show? What was it from? Was it a from software? No, it was Final Fantasy. And he's like, and then, nope, not that. He's talking about Taco Bell giveaway. That was probably the best Jeff moment from these shows. Um, No, you know what got me too is that after the guy came up on stage and Jeff didn't like strongly react and he kept trying to go. And then you started seeing all of these other people like come toward the stage. I thought it was like a flash mob thing. <laughs> I was <laughs> because you see the camera pan out and you see all these like shirts in black coming to the stage while Jeff is still talking. And I was like, is it about to be like they get up in there and then suddenly they rip shirts off and they're all the Grand Theft Auto Six logo on a shirt and then they like dance into some like trap beat song and then you go into the gameplay showing the girl and the guy. I was like, that would be incredible. That <laughs> that's a been... marketing moment that I don't think that you could have ever. I mean, you could definitely try to do it, but you know, that would, it felt that would, that would top like Kevin Butler giving the speech, which I still think is one of my favorite conference moments oh it's incredible yeah no, that's one of the best conference moments ever but no i i legitimately was looking in confusion at the tv like so is this a grand theft auto 6 reveal or not and then jeff kept trying to talk but he like refused to actually move forward so i was like is it because he's waiting to be like and rockstar here to show you bang i I don't know it's weird um but uh, one more game I want to, or really at least one more game I want to shout out. Uh, I have two that I really want to shout out. Um, but before I do so, do you have any other games that kind of struck you on your list outside of Four Solas? Um, Lords of the Fallen looks really cool. MK1. That was one of my other ones. I MK1, think Lords of the Fallen looks incredible. It does. The first one, little little mid, but I'll give this a shot. I, I'm not I, I mean, I really like the first one, but I mean, it. It is the definition of a game that's meant to be mid, I guess, is why I yeah. 
I can see it's that. Midness never bothered me because it was like a $50 game. 40 yeah. Maybe? Yeah, something along those lines. It wasn't full price and it was double A. And it was like one of the first Souls-like games that wasn't a Souls game. So I, in my mind, I was kind of like, yeah, I mean, they're treading odd territory for double A. I think that they've... So many of the ideas, so many more of the ideas, I think, landed for me rather than failed for me that I was like, okay, this is a good time. I was able to beat it. So as far as I was concerned, I'm like, I've played, and, and to this day, I've played worse Souls-likes. Like Bound for Blood <laughs> or whatever it was. Do you remember that one? Bound to Flame? <sighs> You bound played that gigantic Bound by Flame. That's Dude, an awful game. That game, you know what's crazy about that game? Hmm. That's the same developer as fucking Greedfall. It's spiders. Oh, it's spiders. And I want dude. Oh god. That game Tainted that game stylistically, I thought it looked incredible. And I bought it. And not only is that game, I can't even say it's bad. That game has got the Uh-oh. craziest difficulty spike I have ever seen in a game. You go through the tutorial. And almost immediately, the game is just like, hey, fuck you. <laughs> you play the intro, like the the actual, uh, and speaking of which, I have a question around this. But you play the opening tutorial, and then at the end of the tutorial, you have one of the hardest boss fights I have ever experienced in my life. The oh, game no. is like shit, like talking easily. And then you get up onto the tail and have to fight a demon, and it's one of the hardest things I've ever done. I beat it and played a little bit longer. But the difficulty spikes just fucking go up and down. Mm. And I remember thinking Greedfall looked cool, but seeing it with spiders being like, not again. <laughs> and then it ended up being one of my favorite games of that year. So, <coughs> oh, it's just a funny world we live in. Uh, but you know what? Speaking of which, because I think it's a good time to thread a question in here. Uh, Rude Days 93, one of our patrons, longtime listeners, he says, so I know Chris is playing Assassin's Creed 3, which mm-hmm. I don't think you mentioned. I did not mention I know that, you have been playing. playing it. He says, and right now having to endure the very long ass tutorial. So this is, of course, a week ago. I hope you're out of that tutorial at least. I am. He says, so I'm curious, what would your ideal tutorial be? Something shown all in the beginning? Small spurts throughout the game? None at all? Hand-holding the whole way? What do you think? So, Chris, you've just experienced one of the ones that you consider to be a bore and dragging. Uh, So what would your ideal uh, tutorial be? Um, I guess first off, I would say I kind of, I see where you're coming from, but I disagree with the categorization of how I feel about the tutorial, right? Is it's just a very long section getting to what you want to play. Like I wanted to play the Connor stuff and instead I'm playing Hatham for 10 hours, you know, and I thought that was a little weird. Um, for me, I, I think, you know, crossing crossing the picket line here but i think halo has one of the better uh tutorials where it's like okay calibrate yourself look up look down this is how you shoot and then you just go and you're through this corridor that's specifically designed for okay this is how you melee this grunt that's not looking at you and then okay now you have a room full of things this is how you shoot this is how you reload and then from there until you get introduced to a new mechanic the game kind of just lets you play it Mm-hmm. So for me, I think Halo has kind of the perfect example of what I want from a tutorial. I can see that, and I think that that's alive and well in most good tutorials. But I'd say that I go a bit further because even though I like Halos, Halos feels too tutorially for me. Just mm-hmm. a hair. Don't be wrong. On the spectrum, if it it was it if it was 
something like Assassin's Creed where it's acting as a tutorial, but it's just too afraid to tell you it's a tutorial, basically. Yeah. Um, and it just goes on a long time. And don't get me wrong, I get both sides because a good a good analog, and not quite as long, but a good analog to your talk about um, playing as a different character in a very different version of the game is the beginning of Kingdom Hearts 2 where you're playing as Roxas for you know three or so hours, depending on how quick you get through it. And then the game opens up and has the actual title screen and everything. I love it in that game, definitely the first time, because it acts in such a weird contrast to the game that it feels artistically purposeful. And I think Mm -hmm. it's very impactful to the story at large. But I could also see how it's off-putting, because it's like, this isn't the game that we've been talking about and been playing. Um, And so to that end, it's a little complicated to go off of. But Halo, on the end of ones that are more in line with what I like, what I'd say about Halo is it feels like a tutorial. And I don't always hate that. Sometimes I I like the part where it's like, hey, look up, look down. We're shining a flashlight in your eye. We're trying to make this bridge the gap to reality. Um, But I like ones that are... like A good example of what I'm talking about is like Killzone 2. It's opening where you're... You know, you're on the thing, you go down and you come down into the the ship and fall in the atmosphere and you're on the beach and you're immediately in real action. But the action is paced in such a way where they're never telling you that they're clearly holding certain things back. As far as you can visually see, you think you're falling out into all-out warfare, but the game is purposely leading you through a series of environments and events to to show you different ways of how you play and open it up that way. And I think games like that are really good to me. My favorite ones are tutorials where they feel the least like tutorials. Um, but they also try to, I guess, reconcile that this is a game and we're trying to make the tutorial part of that experience. And there's two ways to go about it. I don't know if you've ever... You, know, you played a little bit of old school RuneScape, right? You made a, cam- a, a character on it. I made it. a character. So you know how you do tutorial island and like literally in that game the lore is that you start on an island like that's just where you wake up yes um and some games do it that way and if you're gonna do it to where you want it to be overtly then yeah have fun with it and make it a, a big deal where you're kind of joking on the idea of a tutorial um but i really like the idea of something like oblivion i actually think has an incredible tutorial because yeah it's got a little bit of everything in it it's in a isolated dungeon, so you're getting a version of the game, but it's also not so long that you feel like Kingdom Hearts 2 or Assassin's Creed 3, where you're like, why am I not playing the version of the game that everybody talks about, which is the big, open, do-anything-and-everything-you-want game? Instead, it's like, well, yeah, we're going to let you do that soon, and we're telling you that, and you're going to getting that idea. But for about 30, 45 minutes, you're going to be in our world, and we're going to show you how every mechanic works on an individual level. I like that a lot. Yeah, I agree with you. Yeah. Do, 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 do. I also like games that choose to, and I think most games do, right? Even Days Gone, one of the best games ever. Yeah, facts. <laughs> Where they, they, you always feel like the game is teaching you something new. Because, like, you know, when you get into the last camp of Days Gone, there's completely new mechanics. Yeah. Uh, I'm at good least with as that. far as, you know, things you have. And I, I really like that too. Uh, mm-hmm. But all right, moving on for Gamescom. I think the only other game that I kind of wanted to uh, to shout out there is a weird one for me because I don't know how I feel about it developer-wise. Uh, it's Little Nightmares 3. Mm. I, I really love Little Nightmares 1, and I've been meaning to play Little Nightmares 2. But one of the big differences here that I took note of is that 
as far as I can tell, it doesn't appear to be Tarzier. Tarzier, whatever the name of that studio is. Instead, it's Supermassive. Yeah. Which means that we're changing developers and creative originals um, entirely. And I'm not sure why. So while I think it looks good, this feels like a weird genre for Supermassive to suddenly jump into when most of what Supermassive has been doing is games like Until Dawn and the uh, Dark Anthology. Mm -hmm. And (laughs) so to that end, I don't know how to feel about this. I love Tarzier. I don't know. You have a Vita, but did you ever play Little Big Planet Vita? No. It's an incredible game. It's one of my favorite Little Big Planet games. I think it really takes the idea of Little Big Planet and pushes it as far as you can almost take that idea. It's a really great game, and I think it's a, one of the better uses of uh, of Vita's technology as well. But then I look at a game like Little Nightmares 3, and even Little Nightmares 1, I see the Tarzier like blood in it. I look at it and go, okay, I can see some of the throughput. I don't know how I view Supermassive coming into this. It's, I don't know. I know that Tarzier doesn't own it, but. I think I'm, I'm willing to see it out and hope it's good, you know, that kind of thing. But yeah, I'm kind of with you. I, I, I have to see it play and see how it is. Well, if it's I'm, any different. I'm wanting to look real quick because. Yeah, I, I don't know. I'm so confused. This uh, So you reference Kotaku here, which is fine. It doesn't change much. Um, but you reference Kotaku here, and Kotaku don't even... They, they show it as Tarzier as well, but it's not. Their name was never listed anywhere in any of this. So, huh. yeah, I don't know. That's interesting. Shocking. Kotaku can't get something Also right. an Xbox, um, Xbox marketing, though. Like you said, a very Xbox... Whether or not they're exclusives or not, there was a lot of Xbox presence here. You mm-hmm. you you felt the words and you, you saw the name Xbox far more often than you saw anything else, which is kind of an interesting turn. Definitely. Um, all right. Well, to that end, because I didn't get to finish it, I am going to probably finish it as I can throughout the next couple of days, just to try and watch everything else that I didn't get a chance to see, just to try and be open to it. Um, um, is there any other final games you want to mention, or do you want to go ahead and move into the questions? Yeah, I want to, I want to mention two because I want to mention one for you, uh, Sonic Frontiers. I'm so shocked you didn't say anything about. <laughs> I have a reason. Okay. I am excited because I love Sonic Frontiers and I want to play the PS4 version to get the Platinum again. I've already been wanting to do that. This is just more reason to do it. I, this is a, I am excited because I played the game and I know what is entailed and I know what could be in this. And they've talked about this update for a bit. Uh, If you, you know, they outlined it pretty early on. I don't see what the hell that tease did for anybody who hasn't already bought the game to make them go, maybe I should reconsider buying this game. I think it was a great show for existing fans and a terrible show for anyone else outside looking in. I I mean, like, I thought the the show for Superstars made sense because it's a game that hasn't released. So they're trying to be like, hey, look at what the game is. But then for Frontiers, they're just like, yeah, this game is sold pretty well. So here's a free update. And we're just going to show you a quick cut scene of Supersonic looking up at this beast. And it looked great, you know. I mean, but that's a CGI cutscene. It's like, I, 
why not take this as an opportunity to show the other characters being played? Show me Knuckles in action real quick. Like, mm. do a quick montage of Knuckles, Tails, Amy, everybody in action, and show me some weird glimpse of something. Like, yeah, don't spoil anything if you don't have to, but we know that the update includes playable characters that are not Sonic. Show me that. Yeah. Make anybody else who was maybe iffy on Frontiers go, damn, Frontiers has got a lot of great word of mouth. And I can play as other favorite Sonic characters. Maybe I should give Sonic a chance again. Bam. I don't think okay. they did that. <laughs> I, I see you. That's very valid. Yeah. Um, uh, so what was the other game? So I don't know how to say this without being rude. Um, the last epic. Did you see that? Oh, a little presentation. Uh, yeah, Epoch or doesn't whatever. It sound, yeah. Doesn't it sound like a scam? Oh yeah, one hundred percent. Okay, I'm on the same page. I don't know because I was like, this, I don't know. This sounds. Illegal. I don't know the best way to talk about that either, but I don't know how I feel about it. But I have reasons to think that everything about this is like. Okay, do you remember the big early boom of um, Kickstarter where a bunch of like, games and MMOs got announced and uh, funded? And yes. most of those games still have never released, and a few of them released, and they're just way different to what they are. Yeah, I, yep. And I know it's <clears throat> like right around the corner. I'm aware of that. But something about this just strikes me as weird. It's the marketing campaign, having people come in and talk about it and doing all these things. But... The flip side of this is that, and maybe I'm wrong, but I don't remember seeing any console announced throughout this. So I'm pretty sure this is a mobile game, right? I couldn't tell. They they were talking about how, oh, you helped make this game and it's going to last you forever. And then they showed the gameplay. I'm like, this game doesn't look very good. (coughs) I want to do a quick look into some of it because... How did other people? I mean, it's been an early. Okay, so it's a it's a PC game made on Unity, and it has it's been an early access since 2019. Interesting. I don't know the way it was. They talked about it. I I thought it was weird. I, I, I mean, I'm not saying it's anything crazy. They're looking at it at least on here. They're treating it as like a Diablo, Path of Exile, Grim Dawn style game. Yeah. Which, I mean, I like those types of games, but something about it set weird with me. That's all I'll say. But this could be a great game. Not all games look great despite being great. Facts. Uh, you know what I mean? They, they don't show well. Not all games show well. Yep. 100% agree. I, I think about Diablo 4, and I think about the fact that I looked at it and go, well, I guess clearly it does look good because everybody else is getting hyped on it who aren't even necessarily Diablo fans. But I think back to I'm like, I'm, I was hyped on Diablo 4 because I know what Diablo is. I've been playing it for forever. So I come into it with a burst of knowledge that other people don't have. So I'm coming at with it with a foundation. I don't know if Diablo 4 was actually showed very well for people who weren't already fans. No. But it's it's hard for me to tell that because I'm not in that group. But I will say, I, I noticed a lot of people flipped on Diablo and be, started being excited for it after the beta. So I yeah. think the beta was like, people were at least interested enough to try a free beta and they were like, oh, this is cool. Mm-hmm. And then kind of moved on about it. So I don't know. I thought it's interesting. Uh, but yeah. All right. Any other games you want to shout out real quick or at least talk about? Um, I'm, I'm swiping through. Not really. You know, can we talk about something? 
can we talk about the other thing that was announced? It's not a movie. That's not a game. Because Rebel Moon looks <sighs> yeah, fucking yeah. sick. Oh, Rebel but Moon the, does look sick, first of all. Uh, yes. So what were you going to say? Go ahead. But it's a copy of Star Wars. And it's kind of I, mind-boggling to me how he got away with it. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's the same movie. <laughs> I mean, yes and no. I mean, clearly when you're just looking at it, it's close enough that you do question. Like, man, how did this happen? And, you know, yeah. I, I wonder because I'm not an expert with how. Uh, I, it's one of those things where you look at things changing name because their name had scrolls in it. And Bethesda was like, no, no, no. We yeah. have this series called Elder Scrolls. And then you're like, these guys basically have a fucking lightsaber. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That was, I think, what really got me is they had a full I, lightsaber. I actually don't think, I mean, it clearly is inspired by Star Wars to some degree, but I don't think it inherently looked too Star Warsy until the fight scene with the Star Wars and then I was or with the lightsabers and I was like this if, the is- if the lightsabers were any other color but they were red and blue and oh, of like, course it's the classic what are you colors doing? of good and evil but it's also that was supposed to be a Star Wars movie so he I guess he wrote a Star Wars movie they said no he's like okay ever heard of Rebel Moon because I'm making it you know that's how it came off but I thought it looked really good I'm excited for I it I think it looks really cool and in the sense that, and I know some people view differently, but I think in the sense that I think Star, uh, that I think most Zack Snyder movies are cool. Like it's interesting world building. There's a lot of odd stuff going on. If you want to look deeper, you hear you have this overarching voice line that's talking about um, kind of the Batman line, right? That a human's fallible and can die and pass on, but a myth mm. will live on in eternity. Uh, you know, so it's kind of like the Batman, where it's a symbol. A symbol <laughs> is you know un- yeah. unbreakable, <laughs> whatever he <Yep>. says, <laughs> uncorruptible. Uh, um, and so, and, and clearly, I think some of this is unresolved stuff that he didn't get to toy around with in uh, his continuation of the Justice League. Because if you remember the Justice League and a lot of the stuff he was doing around it, he was getting into the idea of mythology and how humans look at gods versus normal people and how that actually plays out in a more realistic manner rather than the comic book manner where someone like Superman is just beloved and no one ever talks about the mass quantity of damage he does in the effort of trying to save the earth and Mm. what that looks like and how citizens and other heroes who maybe don't have powers react to that. So when you look at that, I kind of see some of that in here where he's like, he's wanting to go back into the idea of like a myth. And I think that's why you have this, weird idea of of how he's wanting to fight back against these people but i think it looks cool and i'm curious to see how the game is going to play out though i feel yeah. like with it being a netflix it's probably going to be a mobile game but i would love for that to not be the case he said it um, was in a really big way was his wording yes so. and that's why i'm like what does that mean so yeah. no I, i'm excited i think this is a perfect uh, which Immortals of Avium is getting hit for the same thing. I think this is a perfect palate cleanser kind of thing. I think the movie yeah. will be fun. There will be some depth if you want to look for it, but at worst case, it'll just be fun. And I think what's funny is if if you've not been jiving with Disney Star Wars, ironically, this might be a better fit for people who have lapsed off of Disney's version of Star Wars. This may be mm-hmm. a closer thing to what they want. Yeah. And so that's not a bad thing. But it does continue this thing of like, if it wouldn't have been for the game announcement, I would almost be like, why did you show this? Oh, I mean, definitely but I why. I think that we're in that position where so many games are turning into movies and shows right now that entertainment 
is kind of bleeding into each other to a bigger degree. But all I'd say is we're not at a point where in a movie showcase where you're getting a lot of movie trailers, they would suddenly show a game trailer. But we're seeing the opposite. But I think that's just because gaming is so pop culture infused because of things like Fortnite and Call of Duty uh, that it makes more sense to do the opposite than it does. You know, it makes more sense to show a movie during gaming things than it yeah. would to show a game during movie things because I guess that's fair. The industries are still fairly separate, but I don't know. Zack Snyder's an interesting guy. I thought it was, an, but that was another one of those things where he's on he's on stage, and I was like, "Why does this feel so awkward?" Mm-hmm. <laughs> Every like everything about everyone on stage. That other host that was up there, I was like, she like people kept people would try to applaud, and then she'd interrupt them, and then she'd try to get them to applaud, and it wouldn't <laughs> happen. And I was like, "This is weird." That's all I'll yeah. say. It was just the whole time I was like, the the human element of this is not helping. It's actually hurting. I would rather it just be a series of no one talking. It's just showing me trailer after trailer. I agree. I feel like his least well-produced of these, but it's probably because it wasn't his. So he's like, whatever, do what you want. Yeah, maybe. (laughs) That's thought was interesting. I mean, and it's inherently different, right? It's tied around a physical event that's, after opening that live is still tied around people going to booths and playing games and seeing games early and talking, you know, it's just inherently different. It's kind of like when yeah. people expected PSX showcases to be like E3. And for a while they were kind of trying to do that, but you shouldn't have. They're right. inherently different things. It's, this is an actual conference where the point is to let people come and be a fan expo basically. So, um, all right, well, cool. Let's go ahead and move into our, um, our questions that we have here. We got a few we didn't get to. First one I'm going to throw up is going to be from Jehudi MD. Uh, he's a patron, long-time listener. He says, have you talked about what sources you use to pick the news from? If not, what sources do you use usually? I'd say that we've hinted here and there at it, but we've never explicitly just had a conversation around it. So since Chris does the news now, I will defer to him and let him tell you uh, his one usually true source that he uses yeah i usually use um vgc because i feel like they have i feel like they give me all the important news you know there's definitely stuff that like we may miss during weeks but to me it was never it's never been news that uh i felt bad that we missed if that makes sense so um that yeah i just i like vgc a lot i'd say I like VGC, and I think usually, which I mean, for my own personal self, I needed to give up doing the news. Um, <clears throat> no hit to Saul, no hit to anybody. Um, but the way the show was going prior to you coming in and prior to you taking over news is my hands were too involved with every aspect of the show. And it takes a lot of time out. It just truly does. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it takes, it, it makes doing the podcast doing the news, recording, editing, posting, promoting. And that takes something that for the other party is like two hours of your time, maybe. And then you're done. And it makes it to where for me, it's like <laughs> not anymore, <laughs> 13 to 15 hours of my time. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I would say not because you can, uh, or not because you can't or whatever it be, but it's still more shifted in me having the higher workload, but I think that's from a number of different reasons. I've been with the show longer. I have you 
choose to defer to me for what I want the show to be to some degree. Like we talk mm. about what we want it to be together, but you do tend to give me a more like, you know, this was yours. So I want to make sure that anything we do is you're cool with. And I appreciate that. And I try and make sure that we talk about what we want together. Yeah. Um, and some of it's just raw know-how. Like, you know, we were talking the other day about how video editing is a, is a big monster. Audio editing is a monster mm-hmm. and it takes a lot of time. And so you, trying to take on editing would impact the show and you know it would impact schedule it would impact a lot of things uh so i I think we've reached a balance where we're in a good spot i try not Mm -hmm. to over edit just get something out that feels natural and i think think you doing news is a big help yeah and i've said to you before where i'm like i'll edit the show (laughs) for you if you want but i won't (laughs) do it on video like i'm like there will not be like and that's something feel free to write in right but for me, it's always been a matter of like, if I'm going to do the show, you're going to get like a highly edited, like there's no likes, there's no ums, there's no coughs, there's no snorts in any of that. But you ain't getting shit for video. You might get like the triangle squared logo doing the DVD dance, but that's the best you're going to get out of me because I don't. That would be pretty good, actually. It would be pretty good. But I don't have the know how and the honest to God thing is like, I don't care to learn <laughs> like i don't well, need to know audio video like you don't watch so. podcast either so no like, i don't i don't understand you're in a different like, world. i love i love everyone who yeah. watches our show makes no goddamn sense to me while you sit on the couch and watch the show but that's just not how i consume podcasts so it, i don't yeah. get it yeah it's just inherently different yeah. so and it is what it is but you know i make a concerted effort to try and make the podcast visually look better with like mm-hmm. the new outlines and everything we've done so it's uh, it's an interesting thing, but yeah, I'm glad you do the news, and uh, I mostly agree with your choice for G- VGC. I think they tend to be pretty good, and you don't miss very much, but there is that other part where anytime you're doing a podcast, you're trying to balance what you find interesting and what you want to talk about and what you think the greater group of people want to talk about, right. and so I try and look kind of in the center, things that I'm mostly willing to comment on to a degree, uh but that I still think most people are going to have an interest in. But sometimes mm-hmm. I do like throwing in specific things that I'm like, no, I want to talk about it. I don't really give a shit what yeah. anyone else well, wants. I, I, it's funny because um, I started, like I never would have put Apex Season stuff in like originally, but I think there was one episode where I made some joke about some piece of news you put in. And you're like, well, I want to fucking talk about it. I'm like, okay. So then I put every time Apex updates, I put it in because I'm like, well, I want to fucking talk about it. So yeah, yeah. So it really which is great. Just, yeah, it's yeah. Um, VGC. Uh, occasionally, I'll be like, oh, I saw something on Reddit, and I'll go to like r slash PS5 or I'll go to PSU. Mm-hmm. Um, I've I've gone to Gamatsu before. Um, IGN, I'm sorry, I used to love IGN. I don't think they're good for this. Um, there's too much other stuff to really get news out of them, you know, mm-hmm. on a consistent basis. Whereas like VGC, I go VGC, PlayStation, and then I just, it goes, okay, I go I go back in the news until it says seven days. And then that's when I stop doing, and that's when I stop checking. So Jehudi's been listening to this show long enough that I know that um, he'll have been around throughout the times I've been talking. But like early days, it was completely hand curated. I would go through every single piece of news. But my daughter was much younger. Um, I, you know, workload was a lot different. Uh, 
it was just different. So with that, I really like that. And, you know, we used to get comments about how we talk about really niche things. And I liked doing that. But, you know, there comes a time where trying to spend that much time on the news only adds to that 12 hours that it takes for me to do all this different stuff, you know, or whatever mm-hmm. it be. So then I started doing, and I, I used N4G for that. You know, I'd go to N4G, I'd go to PS5, PS3, whatever it be. And I would kind of just uh, look through. And I still, whenever I'm looking at news and looking if there's anything I'd want to add, I quickly will go there. I'll filter down the news. And then what I got to before you started doing is I would try to remember anything I saw throughout the week that I thought was interesting and kind of put a little note for it somewhere so I'd know to go back to it. And then I would just go to N4G and I would look at what was hottest throughout the week. Mm -hmm. And I would start there. And I'd be like, okay, of the things that are in this, what would I be interested in talking about? And I kind of use that as a, okay, so people in N4G are interested in this. So hopefully that means a larger, you know, podcast community would be interested in these aspects as well. And then I can add things that I would be more interested in talking about while also still avoiding things that I just don't have any valuable opinion or input on. Um, So there's a lot of different ways to do it. It's just, you know, what do you choose to do? That's what I do is going, does anyone, like there was one thing I I was reading today and I'm like, oh, this is funny, but it was uh, these, an ex-Blizzard dev and Pete Hines, this, this, the start screen debate as I'm sure yeah. you've seen. And I was like, okay, I could put this in the news, but does anyone care? Because that was w- one of those things, I guess we're talking about it now. So one guy That's said That's the most that, terminally online discussion. No. Okay. I mean, it just I, is. I want to I make something abundantly clear to everyone listening. Because of the way Elon Musk tr- changed Twitter monetization, you needed to look at that and go, this is just bait. <laughs> Oh, 100%. That's all it was, was even Even if it was bait. Oh, dude, even if it was bait with a little bit of genuine nature in there. Because, like, I'll give the guy credit, right? I saw the tweet, and I saw Mm -hmm. that he posted to, an like, start screens and install screens and stuff that he thought were more inspired and more interesting. And I think it's okay for him to have that opinion. But I think the way he chose to word that opinion and the way he chose to (laughs) format it was clearly trying to get people to just come in and say something. I think that it was a mix. I think he probably genuinely did think, like, this is kind of an uninspired start screen, which, if I'm being honest with you right now, I think... Outside of Oblivion, I think most of their star screens are uninspired. Something about Oblivion just has this classic look to it. And it may just be nostalgia tied into it, but something about Oblivion's looks on theme in a way that's... Which I'll give Starfield credit. Starfield's a game about space exploration. A silhouette of a planet with a glow around it, and then just a simple menu is not really outside of the realm. I don't wrong there's obviously more inspired things you could have done. <laughs> right. You could have, you could have, you could have made it like the inside of a ship where you're like going through a computer log and you can like, that'd be cool. Like it's just a, a ship bay. And then whenever you hit start playing, it just pulls the camera out and you're in your ship. That'd be sick. That'd be great. But yeah. you know, it's just, I get it. Like if you don't want to focus on that, that's okay. I don't mind. I don't. What's funny about that whole thing is like, yeah, if you're going to use that as like a hit against the game, that's kind of dumb. But if you're just going to look at it and go, yeah, I mean, it is a little uninspired in comparison to what could have been. And if you're somebody who really likes start screens to be unique and memorable, then yeah, this game's probably a little lacking. That's the end of it. Like, I'm right. not going to suddenly be like, Starfield sucks because of the. And to the credit of the guy, he didn't say that Starfield sucks because of it. He just strongly insinuated that you should have a strong opinion on this and let him right. know so that he can get the engagement he needs. I mean, it was 
it was smart. I got to give him credit because it worked. It was incredible bait. That's all it was. He yeah. masturbated all over all over us. <laughs> he was a master Bateman. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that one's interesting. Uh, okay, let's see. This one's an interesting one. This is Robert Phillips. He says, I got a question for you. Name your five Power Rangers out of PlayStation IP. This is going to be weird. I've never been a huge Power Rangers fan. The question is fun. But I'm trying to think through, what does he mean? Like the IP is it? Or is it the five Power Rangers are characters within PlayStation IP, which is what I'm taking it as. So like Nathan Drake as like the White Ranger or something, you know? Mm. Uh, Chris, were you a big Power Rangers fan? No. Mm. This may be not a great question for us then. I'm not going to lie to you. I don't know what the colors represent. Like, I'm sure to some degree they tried having to where it's like the red one's always like he's like a leader and he's stubborn. And then the blue <laughs> one's always like ingenuity because it's kind of like the to go towards something I'm a little more familiar with. It's kind of like how you look at the Ninja Turtles and how they tie their colors to their personalities and to the people. And you kind of see those those things come through. And I don't know how that works in Power Rangers, to be honest with you. <laughs> yeah, I don't either. <laughs> I love the spirit of the question, and I don't know how to mechanically answer the question in the spirit that I think he wants. Traits of the Power Rangers. Maybe we'll get something here. Um, uh, I'm going to say Power Rangers color meaning. So here we are. We have most Power Rangers seasons have the colors and positions of red as the leader, blue as the second in command, sometimes switched with black. let me let me bring this up and blow it up more because it's a full-on answer. All right, let's see. All right, so black is the hot shot or cool strong guy. Pink is the girly girl. Yellow is a tomboy or boy who is unique from the others. Green, logical or strong one. So this is clearly, and it says sixth ranger, depends on the season, and then extra ranger seven plus. So we, we're going to limit it to five. Um I think so. We're gonna go. Red is the leader. Blue is the second in command. Black is the hot shot. Pink is the girly girl. And we're gonna do yellow as the tomboy or boy who's unique from the others. I think that's a good. Those are the ones we're gonna focus on. I think that's we, we found the list. We have found yeah. the magic. All right. First, first things first. Who's the leader? Because I'm gonna be honest with it, you, I kind of feel like it has to be Kratos. I felt that way. But I kind of feel like it has to be Spider-Man. Ooh. But also in my head, knowing Spider-Man, Spider-Man himself would put himself as the second in command. The, one extra wrinkle in this. That's not technically PlayStation IP, but it's also not PlayStation IP. I, I, uh, I follow you. That's technically Marvel IP PlayStation exclusive games within that. I don't know. That's a weird one to describe. It's like it's clearly a PlayStation exclusive, but they don't own the IP. It feels like nitpicking, but, it's like, but I understand. <laughs> I'm with you. Wrong. If you want to include Spider-Man, I'll let you. I just my my immediate gut reaction was I don't know if I would okay. go that route. So gut check for you. Just what do you? I'll, I'll I'll defer to you. Do you think we should or should not include characters that are not technically PlayStation owned IPs? Uh, 
Because there's probably other examples of that. I guess I took the question as like the games. That's why I included Spider Man. I'm, co- so, I'm cool with that. So we can do we can do Spider Man. That sounds like where we're landing. So all right. So right now, let's just talk Spider Man. You're saying that you think Spider Man would automatically put himself as a second in command in a group. I do. Yes. Okay. So we're gonna say Spider Man comes in as a blue. He's a blue Spider-Man ranger. A blue ranger. Okay. So who's red? Do we want it to be Kratos or do we want to have Kratos' throne challenged? Let me let me give you a sneaky pick. It's Sev Janko. I don't know who that is. I, I, I said it as a joke. It's Killzone 2 and 3's uh, protagonist. Oh, yes, I yes, said yes. it as a joke, but I actually think he's a good answer. Okay. Here's my off-kilter one a little Capelli? bit. Capelli? Uh, no. Victor Sullivan. You know who Capelli is? No. No idea. Oh. He's, the, uh, he's, in, he's in Resistance 2, uh, and then he's the main person that takes over after Nathan Hale in Resistance 3. Gotcha, yeah. I've, I've barely played kills, uh, Resistance. Yeah, well, what do you think? Sully you as, the Red, as the Red Ranger. When they're, when they're on mm. PlayStation 5, I'll, I'll play them. Mm. Hear me out real quick. I'm not against it. But I think Sully acts, and so the, the only thing is that I don't know if I want to double up on multiple characters from the same IP just for the fun of it. Okay. But I almost like Sully as the yellow. What's the, the, the color yellow again? is not becoming of him, but the trait of tomboy or boy is who, who is unique from the others. I think Sully fits that perfectly. No, I think there's a Though one. I actually might say Sully and Kratos may have more in common than I'm initially thinking. Yeah, but I have a better one for yellow. Okay, let me hear. Abby. <laughs> okay, I'm not that's, even joking. That's, that's incredibly fair. <laughs> that, yeah, that's that's incredibly fair. Yeah, it's either Abby or Ellie. I mean, it's one of those two. I think Abby's probably still the better fit, but I think it's one she of might those. Be two. the better fit. Ellie. Okay, I, I feel like mean, I feel I like you s- uh, you would agree here, okay. but Black, the hot shot, cool, strong guy. I mean. Sometimes switch with blue, apparently, but I mean, are we not going to say that that seems to completely fit Nathan Drake? That, are we are we choosing Sully or Kratos? <laughs> <laughs> Let me give you my pick for Hot Shot. Let me give you my pick okay. for Hot Shot. I think this is a surprising pick for me because you know I don't have very much history with the games. Uh, Sly Cooper. I don't think that that's a bad choice at all. Sly <laughs> is very sure of himself. Yeah. And I was going to say, I feel like we need a Sucker Punch character in here. This may sound crazy, but I'm I'm honestly starting to think that Jin Sakai may be a good lit, a red ranger. <laughs> uh, is he, but is he like a soldier leader? That's a good question. I feel like he's more of a follower in the game. Uh, I think that following the lead of someone else is what gets him in the position to stray from his path. But I think once he is on that path, he is the one leading everyone else. Okay. Um, but I don't know. Oh, okay. Also, I, I'm, I'm with you and I even agree with you about Sly Cooper. And I think that one's more fun in the many ways. Deacon is not a bad choice. Also, don't you just want to see the Black Ranger take his helmet off and just be crouched in the bushes fucking yelling? Like, <laughs> God damn it! Yeah. 
I love that game, but I would <sighs> laugh all the time when I'm supposed to be sneaking around and Deacon's just yelling to himself in a bush. And I'm like, Favorite you think the, I'm on the motorcycle right now, man? The radio will like finish the thing. He's like, oh, man, you fucking, it's not fucking terrorist, man. We just got to all look out for ourselves, man. Uh, they're not coming for you. It wasn't the White House, man. <laughs> Okay. Turns out it was spoilers. <laughs> I have another answer. All right. I'll and I feel like it. it's more in the vein of Sly Cooper, but in a way that I think works in a weird way. Okay. Zeke. Is Zeke the Zeke right carries character? himself like a hotshot. But he's like deep down, you know he's kind of uncertain of himself. Okay. And I think you get a little more character depth out of that. Right? Yeah, I would agree with that part. Yes. I don't I know. What Zeke. are you thinking? I don't know how to explain it, but there's something inherently disappointing about that answer, whether it's the right one or not. <laughs> Does that make sense to you? Like, I don't so like the Zeke answer. is just inherently why. disappointing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sorry, dude. <laughs> I love Zeke as a character. Like, you know, his, his use and all the stuff is really good. Um, all right, let's 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 go quicker with this. Uh, let's let's gut check it. I think Kratos is red. I just think it, it definitely with the last game from him, it's clearly put that he's he's supposed to be in this leader role. And th- his whole story is that he's been in leader roles multiple times, and was always trying to shirk off coming back to it. So, but then he embraced it. So here we are. Kratos is red. Okay. Do you agree or no? Okay, I prefer Spider-Man's Sully, blue, but I'm fine with it. Yes. Okay, Spider Man's blue. Yeah, we agree. We agree. Okay. And do you want to go with Sly Cooper for black? I'm okay with that. Let's go Sly. Sly Cooper. All right. Uh, girly girl. So this is pink. Fat princess? <laughs> <laughs> She's also wearing pink. I feel like it's a good answer. Okay. It's not Chloe. It's not Elena. I mean... Who else? Who? Who? Uh, Aloy? I mean, she's not a girly girl. I don't think. T- also, Aloy's not a bad answer for the Yellow Ranger either. Be honest with you. Aloy is the right answer. Chloe Fraser. I don't think of her as a girly girl. I don't either. But I can't. I think, think of, of her as more of a tomboy. No, I would have said Nadine for that. I mean, yeah, of the two of them, certainly. Mm. I, I, I'm trying not to double up on uh, on franchises if at all possible. So let's think of some of the female protagonists. I got it, I got it, I got it, I got it. I got it. The girl from Heaven. Okay, what you got? Oh, Naruko. Naruko. All right, fine. Naruko. <laughs> Fuck it. I'll let it be. Uh, and then yellow, tomboy or boy who is unique from the others. Are we sticking with Abby? Yeah, Abby's the best choice. There you go. So we have Kratos as the Red Ranger. We're going to say that Blue Ranger is Spider-Man, even though those colors I wish were separate. <laughs> <laughs> the Black Ranger is uh, Sly Cooper. The Pink Ranger is Nariko. And finally, Abby is the Yellow Ranger. Someone hates this list with a burning desire. If you're watching this on YouTube, down in the comments below, let us know your list. Tell us how wrong we are. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, man. All right. We got a couple more questions. Uh, let's see. We have Josh Shoop. He says, we haven't reached this conversation in a long time, but 
Who is the best boy companion? After playing Final Fantasy 16, Torgal is pretty high on my list, is what he says. So now that we've had more games with companions, who is the best boy? This is a dog thing, I'm assuming. I mean, it's. I, I'm going to say <laughs> it's any companion character, realistically. I mean, okay. d- does, does Atreus not count as a boy? Even though he does have capital B-O-I. Definitely annoying. Um, I don't... How many games really have dogs as... I mean, Fable 2, Dead to Rights. Uh, isn't that... Well, hold on. Fallout. Is it Dead to Rights? Is that the game? Is yep. that the game I'm thinking of? Okay. It is. Uh, Fallout 4. You have... Um, dog meat. Meat. Yeah, dog meat. What uh, else? Free. I mean, Torgal, clearly. Final Fantasy 16. Um, the one from I mean, um, Stardew Valley. You have a dog in Stardew Valley or a cat. That's true. You do have a yeah. Yeah, you do. You have an aminal. Um, I guess at that point, companion's a strong word though, because I think that that means that to some degree they in, they interact with you, like you're playing alongside them or you're able to use them and play. If you um, if you do the right things in Baldur's Gate, you can get a dog at your camp. Spoilers. Oh hell yeah. Um. Oh. Remnant 2, the handler class. Yeah, that's best boy because he revives. He can revive you, quite yep, literally. It's he came over to me with your dragon heart and was like, here. Get Actually, that was yours. Up, that was Kevin's. Bitch. Yeah. <laughs> that was one arm wolf. <laughs> so, fair enough. All right, let's see. Um, I mean, Torgal is great. I, I know you haven't played Final Fantasy 16. Torgal's, he's great. I'm going to, you know what? I'm going to say Torgal. I think he may be my favorite dog companion. He's great dog. You can pet him. That's the biggest test. That's huge. that's what matters most. Yeah. Um, yeah. Torgal. I agree, Josh. Torgal's high on the list, if not topping it. Uh, all right. As long as you are good to go, we can move on into the sexiest part of the show. Are you ready, good sir? I'm ready, baby. All right. Before we do that, real quick, do you have a community stake this landing for you? So we don't forget afterwards, because I know we will. <laughs> what are you excited for from Gamescom? What did you like from Gamescom? Yeah, yeah, that's what I figured. All right, guys, well, prepare yourselves. Tighten your buttholes. Chris, get ready to be edged. Velvet's Corner. Burnout. All right. So Velvet's this week is pretty interesting. Oh. He says, this week I've put together another game for you two to play. Fuck yeah. You're going to be guessing the IRL value of video game locations. Locations are the Spencer Mansion from Resident Evil, Joel's House in The Last of Us 2, Bowser's Castle, the Starting House in Pokemon Sword and Shield, and Croft Manor. Closest number to the real price wins. The loser must post a tweet saying, quote, Gollum is my game of the year. Then he goes to tell me he's DM'd me the prices and pictures of the properties in Discord, which he did. <coughs> and thankfully, I do not, because I was worried when he first told me that, you can still spoiler tag in DM. So I do not have the answers, thankfully, <laughs> but I do have the pictures needed to go through this exercise. Uh, and my assumption here is that he's saying that these there are places... That's what I I'm apologize. trying to figure out. Hold on, let me go. Let me find Croft Manor real quick. I only see. I want to say Game Croft Manor. That's what. Yeah, that's it's definitely the game one. And there goes Joel's house. All right, let me um, see what I can do to send these to you. Maybe I can. 
Yes, please. Maybe I can just screenshot this and then send you the screenshot. Does that work? Oh, shit. How do you screenshot on this keyboard? Damn Prince, laptops. Print screen, daddy. Okay, there is still just a point screen. You know what game I want to come to PS2 stream um, on PS5 is Xenogears. I've always wanted to play that. It's very expensive. I'm a little surprised that hasn't happened to some degree. It's also a, you know? like mostly a Nintendo franchise now. So, or Well, Xenosaga, yeah, but what's sorry. weird is I'm pretty sure I think Bandai may own that. Square own a part of it, too, because there's Xenogears or Xenoblade. Yeah. Or there's Xenosaga, and then there's Xenoblade. Correct. Weird. Three different people own them. All of the games are in the same world. They just get different names and keep going. Yeah. I'm waiting <laughs> for the big game. That brings them all together. Okay. Yeah, I, the cost of that is going to be quite wild. But all right. So since I've sent that to you, I'm going to go back to his tweet or his um, his thing. So we're going to go house by house. So the first house, the first picture we have is the opening house from Pokemon Sword and Shield. And it looks just like a nice hilltop cottage, you know, not too big, you know, two bedroom, one bath, mm-hmm. nice looking little house, but on a big hill with some moss covered stones going down it. So, this, you know, this isn't, it's not like Joel's house is probably the cheapest one on this entire list, right? Because it's just like a a house in the middle of Colorado. It's like a, oh, a wood okay. two story house, you know? Um <laughs> Do we like know where in Colorado? It's a nice place, but it's like a suburban house, right? Uh, where is is it even Colorado? I know it's or is it Utah? Where is uh where is the settlement that they're in in that game? I can't actually remember right now. I know it's not super far from Washington since That's is it true. Seattle? No, Seattle's where they go. <laughs> Jackson, um, of course, it's Jackson. I can't find the state. I shouldn't feel like we should know that, but. For some reason, I can't think of it. Let's see. Where is Jackson? It's Wyoming. Okay. Okay. There we go. So we're in Wyoming. Uh, that's. Did you want to start with that one? Um, yeah, we can start with that one. I think he. I think he did them in order. Um, okay. Then we'll. I want to put my finger. Yeah. Okay. Let's let's do Pokemon. All right. So we have the Pokemon house. It's like a nice English cottage. So. Here's the weird part. I'm inherently and you're inherently going to be guessing this in USD. Yes. And wouldn't this house be technically in pounds? Probably, but I'm Prussian sure he, francs. I'm sure he, <laughs> I'm sure he said it for what we would be looking at. We'll see. We'll see how thoughtful he was. I mean, I had to be thoughtful in the Discord the other day and uh, convert my Fahrenheit to Celsius so that everyone who is overseas knew the kind of heat that I was talking about. Oh, you're I'm nice. pretty sure they knew that if I said 114, that it can't be Celsius or we'd be dead. Right. Um, yeah. But at the same time, maybe you don't have a good feel for what Fahrenheit to Celsius is because I don't. <laughs> I had to look it up. anyway so hilltop cottage you know some some ivy and moss on it looks like something you'd find in like tuscany right like there's a vineyard there's there's like a local vineyard that everyone shares Mm -hmm. right yeah so what we're going to call this i'm going to say i'm going to say eight hundred thousand. maybe a million but i'm going to say 850 850 is my final I are think, we? Are we? Hold on. What were the rules he gave? Real quick. Let me go find them, because I want to make sure. 
that I don't closest number to the real price wins. So it doesn't matter if you prices like, prices riding it, it doesn't matter. You can't go over. It's just whoever's closest. Okay. I would go one point two. One point two. You know what's funny? Before I landed on eight hundred, my my gut immediate response was one point two million. Yeah. I thought that feels like a lot. All <laughs> right, let's see. I'm gonna reveal the answer to myself. Let's find out. Oh no. Hold on. I'm just gonna cover. Okay, the Pokemon house is the bottom one. I don't see the values. I see the names. It undid them all at the same time, unfortunately. Uh, okay, let me cover. And oh wow, we were way off. Really? Well, I was I was closer. Okay, you were closer. Eight hundred six hundred three hundred and forty three thousand nine hundred fourteen. Now I gotta say, oh. I'm pretty sure what he's doing here is. Can I rehide? Oh shit! Can you not rehide? Okay, let's just answer it. Let's just just close on phone. Out. You can, yeah. I am. I'm. I'm. I'm moving over to the thing that I sent you, just so I, I don't. I will see track it, it and then I we'll go back and check ourselves. Up. All right. So that one was three hundred fifty-three thousand. You said eight hundred k. I said. I said eight fifty. So I technically won that round. round. You did win that round. Okay. All right. Yeah. So just mark down our guesses, and then we'll check it against the final at the end. Yes. Um. Let's All right, so Bowser's second one we're going to do, Bowser's Castle. That's what I'm writing. Ooh. All right. right, that's a that's a big one. Yeah, I, here's the thing: Bowser's Castle's like it, it's a little too fanatic, fantastical. But if you had it in real life, that's like Bowser gets mad bitches, right? Or I guess well, does he's he not? A, he's Is a it, lizard it, too. Well, I know, but okay. Here's a bigger question: He's a lizard, but he's always. Do, do you think he gets lizard bitches? Because he just really prefers human bitches and that's why he had to go for for peach i mean look at peach in the movie dog i didn't watch the movie but i mean she was thick i guess is that what's going on she fine as hell girl she fine okay um i guess i gotta watch the movie to find out (laughs) but uh oh god is that is that what that peaches song's about them thick yams and cheeks yeah buddy (laughs) Eat some peaches. Uh, all right. So here's the thing. Big castle should be able to pull bitches, but for some reason can't. Is it haunted? Isn't there a level where there's like ghosts inside of it? That's got to yeah. devalue it to some degree. That's I, a valid I guess to point. the right person, to the right person, it might upvalue it. If this is like, you know, the people who like pay more to spend in the haunted, like yeah. to spend the night in a haunted hotel. Like if the, if the ghost, Zach Baggins, I think his name is, if he was <laughs> buying this house. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Give it the bag and special, you know. Right, exactly. All right. So here's the thing. We we have a good baseline for value that we we clearly way overshot with the first one. But I also feel like Bowser's Castle <laughs> is the most fantastical and therefore should be the most expensive if there were a real world close enough counterpart, correct? That's a fair, yeah. Okay. I mean, don't wrong. The Croft Mansion's pretty bitching. It's a close it's second. Valid. It is. I'm going to go with Bowser's being the most expensive. And I'm going to say, oh, dude, how much okay. are castles? It's, like, it's really hard to figure out. Okay. So like, I, I think I've come up with a number. Okay. And I want you to know I did this one way. Is I looked up how much a personal drawbridge is. <laughs> okay fair enough right and a personal drawbridge and this is hard because bowser has an army that goes in that castle right so 
would you consider an army oh. pedestrian use or would it be more like like heavy traffic and again, this is point. wooden this is wooden but there's a lot of mechanisms Keep in mind, for any of this to work, you have to have minions. And you'd imagine if you were buying Bowser's house, the minions would no longer be there. Therefore, you would. are we factoring in labor costs for this home? Oh, because he does have a moat. That's a big difference. Not all castles yeah, have moats. You have to hire staff for this home. So is that factored in? Are we saying like I think we're just talking salary? the real estate costs, right? I think we're just saying real estate costs of the property. Okay. But the drawbridge still comes into that, right? Because that, that's expensive. I would say minimum you have to pay the drawbridge guy. Like that's part of that's <laughs> that's part of that's part of the whole thing. So you what's his salary? Does he make like a that, smooth eighty k a year, or do you want to go even higher? Like, here's the that's thing: a premium let, job. Let's be real. Yeah, he's the most important person in your life. Because if he's not there, you can't even get out. Right, he controls your destiny. Well, you, if he goes, if he's like, "Yo, boss, I need tend a vacation." To have a door on the side. Tends to. I, I guess I don't this know one? about Bowser's. Hold on, Again, I'm gonna look at this picture one more time. Bowser's castle is a trap. <laughs> it's a trap. Right? It is. It's a whole trap for Mario. <laughs> Just get in there, and it's a bunch of people doing like ecstasy and coke and shit. <laughs> I didn't mean a trap house. Trap beats, trap beats going to the background. Fucking marshmallows in there, just like uh. but DJing. Yeah, and he takes the See, hat off. Cl- Charles Martin. That's way closer to the Mario movie that I have seen. <laughs> And Martinette's in there, and he's like, a, he, he's still doing the voice, even though he's not getting paid to do it officially anymore. <laughs> It's a me. <laughs> Peach super fucks the Mario Bros. <laughs> and like <laughs> the the porn like follows her, but she's eating like walnuts the entire time instead. Get the the joke there. Um, so in my estimation for Bowser's castle, I, I have to think the drawbridge is like five million on its own. Right. Okay. See, so you're 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 going way over. I'm I'm going to tell you my number. I've landed on. Well, go ahead. Give me your reasoning because you might you might sway me, even though maybe you shouldn't. The drawbridge alone, the cost to value ratio, like it would add to the price. You got to imagine. Okay, I built this drawbridge for for two million dollars. Bam! Now it's five million dollars. Right. As I'm selling okay, it back yeah. to you, you know, you see this ad for this gigantic ornate castle with the owner's face on the front you have to think okay oh that's that's true it's very ornate yes but you have to be a bowser fan this isn't any normal castle and yeah you're paying more because it's bowser's but then again uh you know it's like the question here is are we trying to go to the value of a real world one or not which i guess you know we'll we'll see how that goes okay well we'll talk about joel's house but i'm gonna say 10.5 Oh, I, I'm not. I'm not meaning to do this, but I am technically Price is writing you. Oh, that was scary as fuck! Holy shit! <laughs> Chris was a ghost in your room. Hey Google, turn off. How did that happen? I don't know. But Dude, you, it you came on. out of that headphones like the like the girl from the ring just walked through a TV <laughs> in the corner. 
was a voice in the corner of my room. What the fuck do you want from me? <laughs> That's fair. All right, listen. I'm not trying to price this right you, but I want you to know the number I landed on and I didn't waver from is 10 million. Jesus. All right. So we're going to move on. We don't want to reveal any of the answers yet. All right. So what's our other property? We have, oh, uh, the Spencer Mansion. Okay. Spencer Mansion's nice, right? But it's kind of out in the middle of nowhere. It seems like a place where you'd have like bad cell signal and maybe couldn't get any good internet. You you follow? Yes. I mean, I don't know. If you're rich, I guess maybe you could get good internet. But still, it's out in the middle of nowhere. It's got all that zombie shit in it from the zombies walking around. I mean, that's got to come down. Like the value of that property has to have tanked. Um, Are we assuming? But zombies it's still a nice and, property if you clean it up. You know. Well, hold on. No, you're changing this whole fucking thing. If you're saying we're factoring in what happens, you're factoring in the, game. In the cost of the goddamn guy who operates the drawbridge, and Wait. I'm going too far for First adding in zombies. No. Yes, because. If if that was the case, okay, then in the Pokemon one, we would have had to have say said like twelve hundred thousand skinny swiggly lines because I don't know what the Pokemon numbered thing is called. All right, because that's a currency in and of itself. And then for Bowser's Castle, it's ten point five million gold coins. Okay, oh, so fair. you've you've changed currency. I didn't say the zombies were a currency. Slow down, my guy. No, what I'm saying is if I'm buying Bro, the Spencer- if you can buy properties with zombies, let's go. Dude, if I'm <laughs> buying the Spencer Mansion, I'm buying it for like three red herbs, two green herbs, a pack of cigarettes, and a, and like 16 9-millimeter bullets. <laughs> like if we're if we're factoring in game situation, then this is all wrong. <laughs> I'm not even buying it, bro. I'm just going to knife run the whole thing. Right. Stab the guy with the with the title on the neck and then use his blood to sign his name onto the deed. <laughs> First of all, the people who own the home are like zombie monsters now that That's have been killed. True. So you so actually I would definitely could just be killing take them. the home. You just take it. Squatter's rights. It's free. Yeah, the exactly. price is zero. Who's, who's coming to Raccoon City to stop you? That's fair. Okay, but let's, let's go. So this way, squatters' rights. Let's just say that the we we didn't make there in time, right? The bank noticed that there was no one there, and they just because there was no next yeah. of kin, it just went back okay. to the bank. They foreclosed in on the it. Post post apocalypse. Yeah, and now they're Got coming it. back, right? They're like, well, we're going to make this place nice. We're going to sell it. So let's look <laughs> at it from that standpoint. What kind of value are you think in this place holds? I mean, it's it's a nice house, but here's the thing. Now that I've kind of gotten humbled by the price of the. Uh, of the cottage, as I'm going to call it, the, the Pokemon cottage, I'm going to come way down, and I'm going to go with your initial guess of 1.2 million. Okay, I want to tell you, say something though. I think we were not off on the cottage because if that cottage was in Cape Cod, that would be like a four million dollar <laughs> cottage. So here's the thing: it depends on like we we're you talking can ask, from you what can we ask know. Velvet where he got these prices from. We're just playing his game. You'll understand when we get to Joel's house, because I know you're going to think my number is exorbitant, and I have evidence that it's not, and it's going to be wrong. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'm going 1.2 million for the Spencer Mansion. Where are you Where are you coming in? Oh, man. I was at like, I was at like 5.3. <laughs> Bruh. There's no way it's it's nearly as much as the, at least we both agree on that. There's no way it's, it's touching the Bowser Mansion. It's a mansion. No. 
Uh, the Bowser a, Castle. Which, castle is different than mansion. <laughs> it's a step up from mansion. Like, not a lot of people have castle money, but a lot of people have mansion money. You know what I mean? Yeah. This is a weird thing, and I'm about to Google. I'm, I, I'm telling okay. you exactly what it is. Because it's a curiosity that's came into my head, and I will forget. How much wood? Hold on. Would a woodchuck, 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 wood? <laughs> yeah. How much would the White House cost? <laughs> if it sold <laughs> I need to oh, know hold on I, the whole time you were talking you were saying that sentence I thought you were saying W-O-O-D <laughs> and not W-O-U-L-D <laughs> so I was like what the, what the no, fuck how much wood? About? yeah okay how much wood I'm, I'm trying to see if there's a good you know if there's a good rough estimate here so a Los Angeles-based real estate advisor estimated that $90 million would be a fair price for the president's re- residence. The ballpark figure came after the realtor incorporated factors such as the cost of construction, uh, potential rental operating income from the home's 16 bedrooms, and the market price for the comparable properties like Trump's Mar-a-Lago. Mm-hmm. Okay. I think I'm close. I think 5.3 is a very reasonable guess. Maybe I, I'm starting to think, and I really I don't know if I don't think that's cheating, but looking up the price, it was more of a curiosity. Like, what would the White House cost? That place, that thing's massive. But I, think, here's the, I mean, the Spencer <clears throat> Mansion is not as big as the White House is. I don't know, sixteen bedrooms. I mean, there's probably sixteen bedrooms in the Spencer Mansion. Yeah, but a lot of those are behind puzzles, so you might not even be able to get into those ports. That's those true. Bedrooms. They're basically dead in the water. Right. All right. I'm gonna come up a bit. I'm gonna go three point two. Okay. That's 3. where I'm going to land. That's 3.2. I'm sticking with 5.3. I'm with you. All right. Now we're at the Croft Manor. And this one's hard because this is massive. I don't know if you can tell from the screenshot I sent you, but it's it's, it's, it's a quite big. a large property. Yeah. It, it's almost like a college campus. <laughs> you know, it's like it, it bends and has a courtyard with like a water fountain. It almost feels um, uh, it almost feels more castly than the castle. So part of me wants to throw it up there in, in value, right? So it's pretty high, but I am a little remiss to want to price it quite as high <coughs> as the Bowser Castle. So I'm gonna land on a uh, I'm gonna land on an eight point seven million. Uh, okay, eight point seven million for Croft Manor. That's hard because I. I feel like depending on how much bigger the compound is than what we're seeing. That's fair. Okay, you said how much? 8.7? 8.7. I'm going to go with 13. Oh, you're going above the Bowser. Yeah. Fair I enough. Feel, I think All this right. place is bigger. All right. Well, that brings us to the one that you seem to have such a great reason behind your exorbitant price. So I will allow you to take the uh, take the reins on giving your first guess onto Joel's house in The Last of Us 2. $2.5 million. Holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> that feels incredibly exorbitant. It does. Not even like it? a little bit. That feels incredibly exorbitant. All right. I'd love to hear your reasoning. I'm sure the listeners would too. So I went. I, I know to, listeners, you don't have the pictures, but it's like a you've been if you've played The Last of Us two, you've been in this house. It's like a 
three-bedroom, two-bath, maybe a four-bedroom, two-bath, two-story house on like <clears> a <throat> decent plot of land, like, you know, like maybe an acre total. Yeah. And and Chris, you're leaning on some kind of research you've done that points you into thinking that this would be in the millions. Yeah. So I was on Zillow and I looked up houses and I looked up houses in Jackson, Wyoming, and I found a house exactly like this, except it had a longer driveway, and it was three point five million. There is no fucking way. Yeah. Dude, if this ends up being more than the cottage on the hill, that's insane. I would much rather live in the cottage on the hill, if I'm being honest with you. And it's a much better price. I mean, again, if this right. is like what I think the house would cost in real life, like I don't know how to explain what I'm saying. But America in Jackson is that much money. I just sent you the link. All right. I mean, I, I believe you. Here, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look at it real quick. You can help inform your decision. This looks like quite a large chunk of land alongside this, though, if I'm being honest. If it's just for that single residence, then yeah, I mean. Well, there's there's I, another I house right next to it. Look at that. It's probably just the 30, home. Dude, good Lord, 3,500 square foot. Yeah. It's like almost twice my house. <laughs> yeah. Oh God! Like Joel has a yard, less of a driveway, but the neighbors are not that close. Yeah, they don't have a they don't have a side yard, dude. This seems like I think I think two point five. I could maybe go down to like I could maybe see going down to like two, even, but I don't know about much more than that. I'm going to go to two even just to be safe. But do you at least see my logic? I see your logic. Uh, I also feel like this is a bit disingenuous, though I did look up the value of the White House, which was not trying to get an answer. That was more of satiating curiosity. Um, <coughs> oh, I that's researched okay. all of these. <laughs> <laughs> you asshole. 100%. Like, I didn't you search you up... Looked up- Croft like when you Manor. said you looked up like the the cost of a oh I know but when you say you like you looked up the cost of a of a drawbridge I'm like I mean yeah okay fair enough because that's a weird like you no I one has any kind of reference for a castle for... <laughs> <laughs> can't buy many of those I don't think fine I'm gonna go I, I'll give you this this looks to be out in the country which is potentially more desirable than an in city house which is what. Mm really Joel's house is and it's a little less modern than this house the way that it looks I'm going to swing lower you might be right and then it breaks a million you might be okay and it's obviously can fit more people than the hilltop cottage so it probably is more expensive than that also because house prices in America are stupid that's uh, they're, part of they're it. hopefully better everywhere else I'm going to go straight million dollars I really think it's closer to my initial guess on the other one, like eight fifty. But I'm going to say a million dollars because I'm still Here's coming the, in under you, and I still think I'll win. If this, if this house, the thing is, if this house, his answer, if his answer is like six hundred and sixty k, wouldn't surprise me either. <laughs> yeah, it's like both extremes feel yeah, right. They both feel right. <laughs> All right. Are you ready for the reveal? Well, I'm ready for the reveal. All right. Let me go over to it. Let me find this again. All right. Here we are. They cover themselves back up when you click away. Okay, that's good. All right. Oh, wow. Okay, the Spencer Mansion. 
Mm-hmm. $1.4 million. Bullshit. $1,447,769. All right. You win that holy, one. Holy shit. How off are we? Um, on the rest of these, this is getting real interesting. Um, <laughs> but all right. So who won that round? Who won Spencer's Mansion? You won Spencer's Mansion me, right? with 3.2. Yeah. All right. Croft Manor's next. Uh, all I can tell you is we are both. What did you say? I said 13 million. And I said like 8.7? 8.7, yeah. You win this round, it's 31,368,542. That sounds right, yeah. All right. Joel's house is next, though. And my initial guess of 800 to 850 is a lot closer than what I even went with. It is 660. I knew it! All right. That's so now refresh up. I me. Don't believe it. Re- refresh me on Bowser's Castle. You said ten. I said ten point five. That's what I thought. We were both well over, and my initial guess was five uh, in my head before I landed on ten, and it is four million three hundred ninety-six thousand. I don't. There's no fucking way. The drawbridge alone. <laughs> <laughs> this math ain't mathin'. <laughs> not make any sense. <laughs> Oh, and then as we said, though, so the Pokemon house is 343,914. So I I feel like it's safe for me to say that I won this game. You, you won a few me. rounds. I got one right. <laughs> oh, you didn't even win two rounds. <laughs> I, I would give my, I'm going to give myself 1.5 because I was dead on Joel's house. Just the <laughs> other side of it. Yeah. You basically, I'll give you that 1.5, but in the the one you chose was the wrong end of the spectrum. <laughs> my logic As I tracks. Thought. My logic tracks. Yeah. <laughs> this was two minutes of research before I gave my answer. Okay. All this to say, it's clearly expensive to live or to yeah, own property. Right. <laughs> All right, Chris, your punishment, as the rules state, is that you must tweet out Gollum is my game of the year. Should I make a graphic? <clears throat> of what? Of Gollum. You like, like loving Gollum? Yeah, it's <laughs> that like sounds terrible. Gollum, and then it's like Triangle Squared host Chris's game of the year under it or something like that. Mm, yeah, you can do that. Have as much fun with it as you want. Okay. I'm not going to have very much fun with it, going to be real honest with you. <laughs> it's a picture of you with a gun to your Gollum. head. <laughs> Gollum is my game of the year <laughs> that would actually be pretty funny <laughs> if it's just you with a picture of like at gunpoint being forced to say this you have a piece of paper in your hand <laughs> reading from it um, alright Chris well I uh, I destroyed you, uh, you as did. I I'm not gonna lie a few times I was like I'm gonna go with my gut here but Chris might be right you were you were much right, much more right than I was on Croft. <laughs> considerably, <laughs> yeah. considerably closer. Uh, five million's a lot, so I'll give you that. That's a pretty big delta. Uh, but all right, Chris. Well, this was fun to come back around and do the show. Um, Velvet's yeah, corners are always such a weird way to end the show. So we hope you guys enjoy them. Uh, but Brett, until next time, remember, like Chris said. Oh, your tweets out. All tweets right, out. let me go see it. It's funny because talking about that game, I found it on Gamefly for 20 bucks and I almost bought it. I mean, at that point, 
I want to know, you know? Yeah, you want to know what love is? I want to know what love's got to do with it. <laughs> Thought it was pretty good. That's that's good. Yeah. Good times. But, uh, All right, Chris. Boy, you took it like a champ. I did. I appreciate it. I feel like you had a much harder time trying to say that. What was a uh, what was the last punishment that you had to endure? Oh, I don't remember. Something about Callisto Protocol. Th- yeah, Callisto Protocol was your game of the year. I want to yeah. play the DLC for that game because apparently everyone hates it. <laughs> <laughs> everyone hates it. I must play it. I want to know. Because, okay, I heard... I don't know if this is true. It's unconfirmed, but I heard... I don't know. If you're at this point, like, thank you for listening. I'm about to spoil the Callisto Protocol. This is like hour two and a half. Apparently, so you can leave if you want. Yeah, <laughs> this is the end of the show. Thank you to our patrons. Uh, I know. Nope, I'm not going to try. I don't remember it anymore. <laughs> All um, right, so let me guess real quick, if you don't mind. Go ahead. Does this immediately pick up at the end of the cutscene where it's just you on the ship with old? I don't know. Starkiller? All I know is the ending. Like oh, you know the ending, ending of the DLC? Yes, but I don't know oh, if it's true, and it sounds wrong. But apparently, the ending is. He dies, and then they break the fourth wall, and the actor sits up and starts, like, joking around and talking, and then it ends. Bro, no fucking way. I'm dead ass. That's what I heard the ending was, and I haven't confirmed it. You know what? I'm no gonna, I'm gonna fucking look it up. way. I'm going to look it up, because I'm not going to play that again. Calissa that Protocol, ruins the game even more. DLC ending. You can't even take your shitty story seriously with your bullshit attempts at trying to show grief. (laughs) Okay, this is the ending. I'm going to skip a little bit. Dude, it's so crazy playing Dead Space Remake after playing Callisto Protocol and being like, most of the same ideas are here and Dead Space just did it so much better. It's like you guys wanted to make the same game and you just were like, yeah, let's just do it worse. All right, guys, we are wrapping the show up. Thanks to our patrons. As always, you went to patreon.com slash nartech and gave as little as a dollar per month to help support the show. We appreciate you guys and we do so by giving you guys a shout out at the end of the episode. So shout out to Spencer, Brandon Edwards, Alex, Barry Rogers, Easton328, Aztec King, Leechion69, The Lord Corgi, Hammondegger, Bailey Robertson, Mark Schutz, Cypher Primus, Kyle Grimm, Rude Days 93, Kevin Bacon Bits, Danny Villiobos, Jehudi MD, No Fate, Josh Ayers, Derek Porter, Donovan Williams, Matthew Green, Sean Sanderud. Thanks to each and every one of you. See you next week. <laughs>